Hello, this is Alex Saviuk for 11 O'Clock Comics, and that Saviuk rhymes with book. Hey, everybody. No, no, I fucked it up. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll keep it. We'll keep it. That was awesome, Deb. I mean, louder than I wanted it to be, but it sounds different. It I is. Thought, I thought you were still like doing my dog. That's yeah. I was, I was good about that. Are you videoing? Yes. It's a good idea. Just say hi. No, do the whole thing. And then upload it to the really? That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, Wi-Fi. I ain't paying for per, per bite. It's gonna take a long time to upload. Like, it's gonna, like, it's gonna take. Gonna Maybe I'll just do the intro before we get to the end of the month. You can do some of the books. Do you upload to YouTube first, or do you just go straight to Patreon now? Guys do YouTube. That's what I thought, okay. So have you guys not been doing preview videos then? Correct. Do the YouTube. Yeah. Hmm. No, no. Hey, everybody. I just did my order the other, last night. Jason's mad, <laughs> and this... I upload my video, and then I'm like, oh, the last video is mine, and then I'm like... People oh, love your videos, though. So they like, they must be direct uploading it somewhere else. Some We're way. sending it right to the patrons. Brain dump. I put my, my, mine on Tubi. It's like I don't mess with that YouTube. <laughs> I mean... Hey, everybody. 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 802. Live from Jason's house in New Jersey. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. <laughs> and I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. And I, of course, am Donald Westlake. Lamo. <laughs> wow! Right? Wait, what? I know. I, how, how can it be Lemo when it is the man responsible for our book of the month? Nom de plume. Whatever, dude. I know. It's fun. You're not Donald Westlake. Well, he's dead. So right. <laughs> You're Jason Wood, everybody, and you may be noticing something a little bit different about this episode. Well, as has become typical tradition uh, of Eleven O'clock Comics, every time. Mm, that's every, yeah. yeah. Ooh wee. Every hey, what episode number is this again? Seven. Every time <laughs> we go to a convention, we always make it a point to record the episode that precedes the convention at Jason's wonderful home. That's how we do. We yes. Do. And uh, we're, we're here. We're live. We're all in the same room. Yep. So you may notice the, the vibe may be a little bit different, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit better. Uh, if you'd like to see this continue every week, <laughs> join the damn Patreon. That's true. There, there is a tier that would allow this to happen. Yes. Gas is expensive. That's true. And uh, I would love for this to work. We don't always have to do it here. We do it in my house. Yeah. We could do it in, in Dap's beautiful abode. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, the per, the we people. Rent, we could rent a place in the city. Oh, that'd be lit. And then oh, yeah, we'll get a loft. This way we could all. I mean, you great. and I'd be happy. A recording loft. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe. They are our family, and they're there for us each and every month. They elevate all of you people that listen to for, for free. And we give back to them audio, video, polls, book of the month. You get to vote on it. Um, and there's the dedicated Slack channel, which we love. Every day, 24-7, we commune with our people about everything, uh, all topics, various and sundry. And it's just, it's become part of our lives. Might, might be a bit of a ghost town this weekend, but it's still a good place to be. Right. And uh, con weekends, the Patreons get inundated with stuff 
tons and tons of pictures, uh, banter to and from the show, sometimes from the room. Uh, well, cab rides, we like to... Well, that could be much banter no, walking no, across no, that, the but, street this weekend. No, but, but yeah. we can, on the way to food. Whole Foods. Mm. On the way from food, whatever. But uh, lots and lots of content this week. So uh, check it out, if you would uh, be so kind. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We love them. Yes, sir. Everybody's drinking. Shocking. He, it is because it is. you are. It kind of is, yeah. It's vacation. Nice. See well, the Plus, we've got to celebrate. This was, of all the times you've come to my crib, I don't want to jinx it, but this was the most successful from a dog welcoming perspective. Yes, agreed. Oh, yeah, they, they were, no dominoes Not a lot fell. Of right. Yeah. Right, right. It only took, what, 14 years. Yeah. They're creatures of habit. <laughs> Truth. Uh, yeah, what are you drinking? Well, uh, as provided by our gracious host, I am drinking... Oh, we should have a beer koozie. For... Uh, it, no, I don't need a beer koozie. <laughs> from Microphone Brewing. And that's M-I-K-E-R phone. Microphone Brewing. This is called Like This and Like That. Yo. It doesn't have the yo at the end of it. American Pale Ale with Columbus and Simcoe Hops. Hold it up for the video. Oh. Like I'm, this and This like is that. odd. It's very strange. And uh, backing that up with something called Charlatan. I like that. Yeah. American Pale Ale. And this is from Maplewood Brewing Company. Awesome. And they're big cans. Jason doesn't fool around. No, I don't fuck around. None of that 12-ounce stuff. He gives me the 16 ounces. So uh, thank you. And Dap and I are drinking Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just finishing up some Coppola that we had open already. And Dap was kind enough to bring some of the, uh, some of the, uh... Bar Dog. Bar Dog, which you drank, what, last week or the week before? A couple weeks ago, and Vince had it recently. There you go. And you're going to slum with that, Princess? You going to have some of that? Dap brought it, so I'm going to assume he... <laughs> yeah, she rang it up, and I was like, ooh, maybe I should get two. Nah, he knows, he, he, <laughs> he, he knows, he knows, I trust in Dap understanding what's going to pass muster around okay. here. Okay, all right. You know, he didn't show up with Apothic. I did almost bring you a bottle. You won't. Of Inferno. Inferno's really good. I don't care if it costs two cents. It's good. Sure. Not only is this the episode preceding a convention weekend, it is our book of the month. It is. And we don't have a list of of what we deliberated. We chose. We did. But it was because, from a pool, wasn't it? Well, no, not well. This was the only Parker book on it, and and I I wanted to read it because it's the only Parker book I have in my possession that I hadn't read yet. But um, knowing it's the shortest of the four that Darwin did, knowing that we had to do it before Heroes, since next week might be too crazy, we decided to just run with it. So there wasn't a whole lot. There wasn't the list to pick from this month. Like there is usually, we put up the form on the Patreon. You throw some books out in there for us, and we deliberate to see which one we want to talk about yes. at the month. And um, I know you weren't implying that it was a breezy read, because I don't think it was. Oh, no, 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 no. It's shortest in, in page counts, right. but it is still a, 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 a dense because whenever I mean I could read a five-page story by Wally Wood, and it could take me an hour. Absolutely, yeah, no. Same thing with, I'm still, with yeah. Cook. I, I linger. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. The 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 one panel with the 
the uh, the young lady with the sword in her chest. I must have looked at that for like twenty minutes. Yeah, the breasts are perfect. But anyway, and that's so, not even the main story. Yeah, uh, the book of the month is, as was mentioned, Richard Stark's Parker, Slayground, story by Richard Stark, aka Donald Westlake, but adapted and illustrated by Darwin Cook, R.I.P. And it was published by IDW. Indeed, those, uh, Darwin Cook loved those books, and uh, I think the bummer is that uh, we probably would have gotten more. It does say on the back page, Parker oh, yeah. will return in 2015. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and because, um, because Darwin was such a fan, which is why we have movies like... Um, Put the thing on him sometimes. Oh. <laughs> it was... Um, wasn't it so lee marvin did a movie based on a parker story mel gibson did a movie based on a parker story more or less none of them were able to use the name parker because that is something that westlake basically forbade nothing ever passed muster but darwin uh was able to actually secure the rights to adapt parker's books to um because he's darwin graphic novel yeah Yeah. it's respectful Mm-hmm. A lot of reverence. Uh, you could tell in in the uh, just the the artifice behind it. There's a lot of care and I bet consternation. Yeah, he passed away in 2016. Yeah, so it uh, it looks effortless, but I sincerely doubt that it was. He is when when we discussed you know creators that we would have liked to have met at a convention he is near the top of that list for you me. never met I never, I never got oh, to meet him oh I met him at uh, the same New York that I uh, that I got to meet Stan Lee the one that okay I, that, uh, just cause the iFanboy guys were super tight with Darwin yep I remember. <clears throat> and like they hung out personally when they were in the same town and, and happened. I think I think Chris and I were at the iFanboy booth or the Graphically booth cause they were owned by Graphically at the time and Darwin just came up to hang with them and so I got to meet him then but you know just very briefly but yeah, he's an amazing, amazing guy, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, we probably eulogized him properly when he passed away, but uh, I but think so. Loved by his peers immensely. So yeah. Rereading this or anytime I read his stuff, it just—it's almost impossible to. I can't put in the words why his art works the way it does because it seems so simple. That's the thing. That's the X factor. It's just impeccable, though. Like I don't like. It's like every line just makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I, like I just—I right. <laughs> don't know. He just had. It was like a dude playing a concerto. I don't know. He just. He just was able to visualize it with relatively few brushstrokes in a way that right. no I, else can do. I have an issue of, of comic book artists that I will never part with because it's it's an interview with Darwin. And, and I mean, and the cover is everything that basically he's ever touched. The Men in Black cartoon, mm. all the DC characters he's drawn, some mm-hmm. some all the animation work he's done. And it's yeah, it's a great magazine. But it, I mean, he's, he's just... He's Reading this made me want to go back soon and reread New Frontier again just because it's I love that. That is, I mean, New Frontier is the bridge between the Silver, between the Golden Age and the Silver Age. It's, it's a great story. It's, yeah, no, it was, it was in great hands with him. I elevate Cook this, to the same level as, as my Untouchables. Mm-hmm. And that's saying something when he, uh, the majority of his output, um, is in genres or a genre that I don't really care for, but I do. 
when it's done by someone like Darwin Cook, mm-hmm. like uh, Brew Baker and Phillips. I'm not a huge crime guy. That's irrelevant when I get a Brew Baker and Phillips book sure. because they do it so well. Right. Uh, same thing with Darwin Cook. Um, and it goes through my head when I look at the art. Same thing with Wally Wood, like I said before. It, it's an unspoken feeling or an acknowledgement that this guy does something with marks and lines and color that nobody else can do mm-hmm. and is so far ahead of his peers, his, his, um, the people that preceded him, and I'm going to be honest, the people that, comes at, that will come after him. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it, it's going to take um, the stars to align perfectly to get another artist of Wally Wood's caliber. Sure, sure. I think he's very close to the greatest comic artist of mm. all time. Jack has that. Yeah, you know, he's at that level, but Wally's really close. Well, I think and, the difference between Jack and Wally, right, is that Jack had the ideas too. Like he had the iconic. He he was the creator of all of these these characters and worlds that now we still hold the dear, right? And it becomes so much more. Whereas Wally was an incredible uh, comic artist, but you know, didn't really have too many indelible characters that are just un- unqualified to be like him that carry on. Right. I'm saying like Kirby's well, Kirby's greatness exceeds just what he did on the page, right? Like he, it's what he did on the page and that what that gave birth to, which is right. this, you know, just this. Frankly, I mean, it's like at the epicenter of pop culture now, right? I mean, like, whereas Wally didn't do that. I mean, Thunder Agents are great, but right. yeah. we know they are. Yeah. But the the world at large has no idea who these characters are. Yeah. They're not Spider-Man. Well, well, let's strike that. They're not Fantastic Four and the Hulk and the, the X-Men. I mean, he was there at the start of Daredevil, but it's not like mm-hmm. he added much that, yeah. you know, to this day, people right. still like, oh, that's from the Wally Wood run. You those, can instantly tell, issues. though, that Wally Wood touched those pages. Yes. It's, it's immediate. Boom. But, yeah. So, uh, I, I do have a lot of reverence for um, Darwin Cook. And, uh, again, the Jonah Hex issue that he did. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's really good. But uh, so let's get into it. Richard Starks Parker Slayground. Ask your question. Vince, when was the first time you read Slayground? This week. What? Yes. You too, right, Dad? Yeah. Baffled. I know. I, it's it's what? been on my shelf forever, and it's weird. And I I started recording something on the ride in, but ways told me about a hazard ahead so it stopped the recording for some reason I found it after the fact but I was trying to tell the patrons that um, all the other three I read as soon as I got them right this for some reason I got it and it it just it sat on the shelf because of I I, I don't know why and I, I don't know why I went back to it so late but yes I, I I read it over the weekend for the first time that is incredible no I, I mean well I, I read it as it came out I read all of them as they came out uh, wow, jeez, um, that's surprising. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm reading it. I reread it this time though in this beautiful uh, Martini edition. Just came out last call uh, for patrons. I did a video of uh, of this volume, showed it off because it was so beautiful. It um, the first Martini edition, which collected the first two uh, adaptations, came the out Hunter, years ago. Hunter and the Outfit, right? Yeah, and then uh, and then this one had. I don't know what held it up, but it 
it was supposed to be out years ago, and then it finally came out. Maybe the pan I don't know if it was a pandemic, but this was actually put together and curated and edited by Brubaker Phillips. So they have a lot of ephemera in here, some interviews. They actually have a short story in here um, in this volume that they drew, um, you know, with the permission of the Westlakes and all that. So it's pretty neat. It is a very nice volume. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got that oversized leather. You got the, the little... Beautiful. Is there a ribbon bookmark? There is. Uh, Better be. Wow. Yes, there is somewhere. Got a little flat map of... Amazing. Fun Island here, which is pretty cool. Is that is that in the regular book too? I don't think it is, right? I don't think it is. Yes. Yeah. It would be towards the front. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's at the very beginning, so... Yeah, no, it's great. Oh, yeah, 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 yes, yes, okay, yes. Sir, Look at that. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I didn't fold it out when I read it. Okay. But, yeah, and, and, like, I mean, this is, I don't know, I think there were 22 Parker novels, like, that Wesley wrote. Um, I don't know where Slayground is in that order. I don't, I don't know if it's, like, very early on or not. Um, and, again, as we said, I mean, Cook probably would have done more. Well, for sure he would have done more, but... Uh, this feels like one of those between-the-raindrop stories. Yeah. yeah. It, it could yeah. be the relatively low point between two... Yeah, it big... wouldn't be the first story, Parker story, you'd, you'd read an adaptation right. of. But yeah, once once you get a feel for the character and know what he's like... But that's the thing. I, if you only read this, you really wouldn't get a handle on the character Correct. of Parker other yeah. than his resource. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. It's, it's, it does feel a little weird that the series ended this way, and obviously it wasn't planned, I mean, Darwin passed away, but it, I agree, I mean, it does feel somewhat like um, like the last Reckless novel in that, you know, it was an intentional departure because they wanted to just do something different with a different character to kind of, it was just, they had that artistic inkling. This feels like a story not at all like the other three. Right, um, right. Which are just much more, I don't want to say formulaic, but they were much more like the traditional heist, yes. you know, Parker's, you know, he's working an angle, he's in, he's in suits, he's, you know, he's got the, the, the femme fatales that he's having relations with. Like, it's, it, there's, there's certain, like, beats to each Parker story sure. that this doesn't really have, right? It's a very, very different vibe from start to finish, so. I told the guys uh, when I walked in that after I, well, during my reading of Slayground, my brain instantly compared it to something else. And I couldn't shake it for the entire story. Slayground is Donald Westlake's Home Alone. It's freaking Home Alone. Oh, I see. It's exactly like Home Alone. Now, I don't know if, if, if that was an inspiration for, you know, whether they knew it or not in the writing of Home Alone. But the, 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 the planning stages, the uh, comeuppance of the... The, the foes, it's its completely like Home Alone mm -hmm. with Parker as Kevin McAllister. Come on, he sets up all these freaking contraptions to, to get the bad guys. It's the same thing. Was Home Alone the first time you, you, you saw that play out? I was going to say. Because, like, I mean, that's not a unique yeah, like idea story idea. Or, as extravagant as Kevin's traps, these are the same thing. I thought you were okay. going to say... Uh, Wally Coyote. No, 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 no. It's, it's Home Alone in an amusement park. I'm struggling with it because I 
hate when we're going to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, Thank I, you for joining us on this 14-year ride. Uh, <laughs> we'll miss you. Like, I remember I went to see Home Alone in the theater with my high school friends, and we walked out. And that's one of probably only two movies in the history of my moviedom that I walked out of the theater. It so. does not register with me. I thought it was just corny as all get out. It's a perfect movie, too. <laughs> I mean, perfect might be stretching it, but it is an enjoyable ride. I like the movie. Wow, cool. Hey, and, it, and it only gets better with Tim Curry. I sure. love the second yeah, one, too. Yeah, unfortunately, the other fuckheads in it, too. Oh, the, the sequel. One. You like the sequel, too. I do like the sequel. Ooh. Oh, yeah. you're cooking, Frankie. <laughs> I love it. Is Penteliano on that one, too? Or Pesci? Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the Water Bandits are back. It's the third and one the you want. the Wonder Years, right? Old Kevin? Yeah, yeah, Daniel Stern. You want to stay away from the third one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never bothered. I, I want to stay away from the It's, uh, entire, what's his name? Uh, French from uh, Third Rock. He's French one, Stewart, yeah. He's one of the bad guys. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, the setup is is, is pretty... This is a simple story. It's very simple. Yeah. Um, Parker and, and two of his uh, cohorts robbed uh, an armored car. And it's, it's the dead of winter. Uh, road conditions are bad. It's very cold. Because they're in Buffalo, of all places. Well, which snow gets yes. massive in Buffalo. Shuffling off. Yeah. So uh, the, the driver and... Uh, uh, what do we call him? The, the passenger seat guy. They don't really give a... I don't think they give a name for him. But the driver and uh, the third accomplice... His cohort, they, they An incident arises. And the car careens out of control... Um, yeah, because the driver's a dick. Well, he's a little overcautious. Yeah, and he's, he's he's nervous. He's trying to get out of there. He's looking over his shoulder, and um, he told he him to slow a, down. He, he gets says, a little yeah. sloppy. Yeah, yeah. And the car does a, which is a great two. The, the way the panels, you just you see the car flipping, yeah. and it, it is just the way it plays out. It very cinematic, my, widescreen. Uh, my heart weeps over not owning at least a page. Of Seriously. Pages. Closest I have this is... This one specifically, or... Oh, no. I mean, any of the four. I would I, love a, a new Frontier page, but yeah, Parker oh, page well, would be I mean, sweet as hell. entirely, but I mean, yeah, I mean, th- but just, they're, I just think they're simple, like they're, you know, a lot of art, there's art that I, I love from a story, but I don't necessarily think that single images are all that compelling, and then there's art that I love because of the story and the nostalgia. But this, I mean, every page, I think you could just mm-hmm. frame them at it and put it like in your living room, and it would just look like a piece of art. Like yes. Like my wife, as you guys know, is cool about my habits, but I have all my comic artists hung downstairs or in portfolios. We have other types of art in the rest of the house. She wouldn't even blink an eye if I got one of these pages framed and put on because it just they're just perfect. They're yeah, they are, and, and I love the monocolor. Yeah, it's great. It's the best, you know, and, yeah. and I. As you guys know, I, I very much love Victor Santos, and we've talked about his work. And he's, I mean, Victor makes no bones. I mean, Darwin is a huge inspiration for him. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they were peers, but, you know, Victor's certainly a spiritual successor. And again, I'm not saying Victor's, you know, Darwin's Darwin. He's incom- has no incomparable. But, but Victor does, you know, one of the things I love about Victor is he, he does the same kind of monocolor to his books, and I think it works so well. Like, just when done right, it's just incredible. Yeah. I'm here for it. And uh, the uh, monocolor spots, they're brushy, they're irregular shapes. Um, Cook had the uh, instinct to not 
complete a lot of the shapes. He would leave some of the edges ragged and and uh, some of the white would come through where it, it looks like some of them look like chalk. Some of them look like watercolor. Um, they were probably um, marker on, on a lot of these pages or it could even be some of the clouds look a little digital to me, which I doubt, but my eye tells me they may be digital. Yeah, but the rest of it looks like, like, uh, like you know, um, what are those markers that you use? Copics. Copics, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think any of it's digital, at least, because I've seen a bunch of the art. You know, there, it, was, it was sold. Um, you know, there was a ton of, unfortunately, as is often the case, there was a ton of it unsold when Darwin passed away. And then, of course, everybody scooped it up immediately thereafter, and now it's been out in the ether. But I've seen a lot of the pages online, and they look pretty much just like this, so I don't think there's a lot of So effect. he applied color to the inked pages? Yeah. Oh, that's ballsy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the good thing about a one-man band like this is that, uh, and I'm looking at the, uh, the page where um, Parker's climbing over the fence to uh, Fun Island, and the shadow is at an angle behind the bars that Darwin, had he not did the color work himself, would have specifically told the colorist, I want this particular angle, because the angle works perfectly well with the, the angle of the bars. Yeah. Right? And, you know, he did it himself, so he's just laying it down. He doesn't have to... Uh, confer with a, another brain he's just this is completely darwin cook and it's just it's yeah, I mean, he, he does everything and yeah. hand lettering i mean everything is yes yeah. i love his lettering and that's the thing i mean like that where you talk about the car crash in the beginning when they're trying to get away like you have two pages where it's just the car flipping around and flipping over in eight panels and it's like i love that he takes time to let these things breathe right, right? Because he could have just drawn a panel of the car crashing, and we would have gotten yeah. the point. Or he could have just done one page of, of rolling. Yeah, or just have, right. you know, Parker walking insane. away from it, and you just see the crash yeah, in the yeah. background. Yeah. But he it's definitely to brushing. Off, you know? Yeah. The, the marks I'm seeing in the clouds there on this page, they're definitely a, a brush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the, the gases emitting from the underside of the car, you're not going to get that yeah. with a marker. It's, or or maybe, a, maybe a brush pen. Yeah. I don't know. But it's just phenomenal. So, so Parker um, is... Uh, the lone survivor of the crash. Well, the, the... The one who walks away. He walks away from it. Yeah. And, you know, one of the, the, the two guys end up in the hospital. One right. probably won't survive. One will. And uh, there's this... Oh, in, right, because right, right, right. There's this internal uh, yeah. deliberation that uh, Parker's questioning whether the guy is going to give him up or not. He's like, mm-hmm. no, he won't give me up. He's banking on the fact that he won't give them up. So um, Parker takes the money and hightails it to uh, Fun Island, which is a Coney Island equivalent. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, rides and attractions and, and it has a, a sideshow element to it. But the only thing, it's surrounded by a, a very high wall. And it's wintertime and it's snow on the ground. So right. it's, yeah, it's yeah. Completely- So the only avenue of escape once within the walls is through the front gate because on the sides the back of it is uh, flanked by water uh, a body of water and uh, on the two sides there the walls are just too high and uh, you can be seen immediately going over the sides so he formulates a plan Um, 
where he's going to hole up in this, this fun island for as long as he can and uh, just ride it out and see what happens. Well, uh, what happens is, see, the, the cops and the mob work very closely together in this reality to the point where the mob directs the cops. It's, it's not the, you know, the, the chief of police or, or his underlings that um, dictate where these cops go and what they do. It's the freaking mob that's doing it. They're so dirty. And um, the, the place is basically owned by a guy named Lozini. And it's his son, his only son, that shows up at Fun Island and starts, you know, shaking his his muscle around and telling the cops what to do. We got to get this guy. You know, my father wouldn't like it. You, you guys got to got to step up. And um, during like like Parker can see the thugs and the cops amassing from his vantage point within uh, Fun Island. And so he starts to formulate plans, like Kevin in Home Alone. He looks around, he, he takes in his surroundings, and he makes his surroundings work for him. Um, the, the marooned uh, island uh, ride, where he, um, he goes in, and uh, it's icy. It looks like it's, it's like a, uh, one of those rides you get in a little boat when you go through it. And while he's going through all this thing, he's hiding weapons in case he should need them. And the most brilliant one, I thought, was the Fun House. And the Fun House is House of Mirrors. So what Parker does is he goes in with a can of spray paint, convenient that he would find one, and he spray paints a dot on every mirror. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, it plays out later. And then, uh, when, and then he, uh, when he's doing the prep, though, and he's trying to figure out his situation, he goes and he searches through the guards, tap the guard office, and he basically puts together an inventory of all things he thinks he can use. So there's a gun, yeah, spray paint, markers, flashlight, uh, like a metal wrench, and then a box of souvenir knives, which are which are real. Yeah, he's right. resourceful as hell. He really is. Um, in another ride, he electrifies the water. Or sets it up where the water can easily be electrified. He, he gets the power cable and ties it to a, a heavy wrench and chucks it into the water. Um, there's a theater and he does something with the sandbags and the scaffolding where he ropes them up uh, in a way that can be uh, let loose with just the merest touch. So uh, he's preparing yeah. for these guys. And, and they, there's a point where they just... Um, don't want to wait anymore. Uh, there was an incident where the cops, two of the cops on the scene got uh, directed to do something else. So they had to go do that so as to not arouse suspicion with the, the higher-ups. And after they did that, they came back. So you had the, the thugs and the cops that are in the pocket of the mob just waiting around for these two cops to come back. And they're getting antsy. And they're getting, you know, um, eager to go in to get that money. And Parker knows that this was going to happen. He knew that he could manipulate their emotions by just, he, he hung back even more when he saw the two cops go. Because he knew they got directed to go do something else. And then when they came back, it was on. So um, I guess it could be a good or a bad thing for Parker that the first person he kills is the son. 
That surprised me. Yeah, it was cool. I was I was not expecting him to be good old out so early. It was like uh, when Samuel Jacks got eaten in Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, right. Just <laughs> like, oh, okay. The biggest star in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way he took uh, him out, Vince makes a uh, face because I mentioned Deep Blue Sea, but yet gave a Osana to Home Alone. I've never even seen Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, smart sharks. Cute Kevin. <laughs> well, yeah, before the drugs, yeah. I love when he's talking to Mulzini Sr. Oh, yeah, he's making yeah, dinner. He's just making dinner, dude. He's making that shrimp scampi. He's making scampi. And Parker Who doesn't puts love all scampi? the love of the shrimp and scampi. the sizzling of the, of the, of the It's like, it reminded me of um, the scene when Goodfellas, when they go to jail. Uh-huh. There's and, and slicing the garlic real thin. Yep, making the, the, the thin and the sausage. And the, uh, it's great, man. I just love that. Love and he has scampi. the good sense to leave the damn tails on them. Gotta leave the tails on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you're making scampi, at least. Well, when mom made it, she took the tails off. Damn, mom. Oh, oh, she didn't want to have to, you know, she just liked it without the tails. Yeah. Didn't taste any 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 less for not having the tails, but it was just easier to eat, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I usually do it without tails. See? He's my mama. But anyway, so he kills Benito Lozini, the only son of the mob boss, in a way that is brilliant. Yeah. The reason why he spray-painted the dot on all the mirrors was if there was a, ref, a, a an image of a man within that area that didn't have a dot on him that's who he, he aimed for and yeah. he's dead shot him straight in the chest boom dead and that's the thing about Parker I mean most people listening probably know this because you've read something or heard but you know Parker is a unabashed bad person I mean yeah. he's, he's, he's not this is not James Bond or like some kind of like anti-hero he's, he's a criminal he's a, yeah. a lifelong criminal he is absolutely he has no. I mean, there is a code, but it's kill or be killed. Right, he's got, not like yeah. a more like he doesn't have like a, he's not Robin Hood or he's not like only he, right. he's he's an opportunist and he will kill or or steal from anybody he feels he can get away with it and uh, he is you know he's definitely like an amoral person for sure. So it's it's you know but yet you find yourself engaged by him because he's really good at what he does and um, you know is uh, sort of an archetype right he's. A good-looking, rough-and-tumble guy that always gets the ladies and seemingly always wins, at least for most of the novels. Well, I think it's a tip of the hat to Westlake, and in this case Cook, that they can take this person that is um, morally reprehensible, let's just say, and make you, um, I don't know if care is the word I would use, but concerned mm -hmm. for his, his uh, well-being, which I guess concern and care is pretty much the same yeah. thing. Like, I, I saw someone make the case that, like, describe him in the way that people would, say, be engaged with Tony Soprano. And I don't think that's an apt comparison, because I think one of the things about Tony Soprano is that he's an awful, awful person. Yep. But part of the journey of that is is luring you back and forth into thinking maybe he is not an awful person. <laughs> like, and then you're completely, every time you start to think he's a redeemable person, he does something awful. And then by the end of the show, you, I don't know how you could ever come away thinking he's anything but an awful human being. But... But like in, in this, I mean, Westlake and, and, and then Cook, they don't ever try and convince you that Parker is something deeper. Like they don't really, you know. Right. What you see is what you get with Parker. He is what he is. Yeah. It's like Popeye. So do you think in the last episode of Sopranos, Tony got popped in yeah. the bathroom? Well, I think that now because uh, the creator, after all these years, said as much. Oh. Yeah, in an interview. He finally said, I don't know why everyone keeps caring, but yeah. He's like, it's meant to be that he dies. So I'm like, cool. I'd assume that. Right? Did you not? I 
I was leaning in that direction, yeah. but it's so ambiguous. I like that he made it ambiguous. Right. I love endings like that. You yeah. write your yeah, own you ending. Had, exactly. Yeah. 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 If, if you had a, a little uh, affection for Tony and you wanted him to live a couple of you know days right. or weeks, That's months exactly, more, yeah. then great. If you wanted to see him dead, then you just wrote that ending too. Where they filmed that is uh, just 10 minutes down the road. It's a sushi joint, actually. Not where we got our sushi from tonight. But uh, it is a place that. But better my, if it was the my diner. wife and I had a sushi. And you've never taken us there. No. <laughs> Deadpan. No. no. Would have been better if it was the diner. Colin went to the diner tonight. Oh, pancakes. He had pancakes tonight. Yes, my man. <laughs> One of these, maybe, maybe New York will have pancakes. <laughs> we still got to come home Sunday. So, I mean, the remainder. Oh, we're gonna go to the diner and we can get pancakes there. Pancakes every day. I'm saying, but the diner in Charlotte, you get the pancakes. It's going to be great. Can't wait. So the remainder of the story is um, the the thugs uh, under Lozini trying to get uh, Parker, and then uh, Lozini himself. Yeah. Clever deaths. Steps into the lots of clever deaths. Very clever. Yeah. And close calls. True. But that's the thing. Um, you say Parker is is uh, an urchin reprehensible but he lets the cop live he could have killed the cop the cop that didn't want to have any part of it um i don't know how he would know that maybe instinctually he picked up on it because the guy wasn't aggressive at all and i think there is more about parker doesn't he's not a sadist he doesn't take pleasure in murder like murder just ends to this is self-defense he will kill anyone that gets in his way or, or impedes his freedom or success but like he's not looking to like yeah, he's not Mr. Blonde from Reservoir Dogs. Like, he doesn't want to like see people hurt or right. You know, so, I mean, to I don't think we should. Well, I mean, it's up to you guys. But to to uh, go deep into this, I don't think there's a real point. It's just a, a series of a very clever, uh, gorgeously presented uh, set pieces where where Parker evades uh, death and capture at every turn because of his uh, forethought. You even get to see Parker's dangling at one point. Yeah, this is, this is one of those. This is one of the books for Book of the Month where we could go page by page, but you really do have to read this for yourself. And you have then to see it. He goes off the side of the boat. Yeah, the the, the, the pace of it's off, just like you know, like just just watching him. But you just need to see. Yeah. What oh, Darwin this put is not something page. that you're going to be able. Hey, do you ever read Slate Round? This is what happens. You're not going to be able to accurately convey. Just how amazing this book is, but it's it's almost on a below the belt level, right? It's gritty, it's raw, it's dirty. It's it's not. There's not a lot of um, insight into the human condition into this book. It's basically a guy trying to stay alive, doing anything in his in his power to do that. Robbie. Yeah, and 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 I don't know what you know. I, I wonder, like, did Westlake take his kid to the Coney Island, and then he's like, "This would be a great setting. Like, imagine yeah. like, how cool, what kind of things you could do with this." And but whatever, it worked really well, right? Because I think, uh, you know, Parker books are period pieces, uh, and the longer we go, the the more, you know, the, the 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 more time between when you're reading this and when these these books or these things were set in. But I think, like most people, can picture a place like this in their minds like yeah. whether you oh know, hell yeah because again like most people probably have gone to an amusement park or a state fair or something where this kind of setup yeah you, you know you don't, it, it doesn't it's not a completely foreign 
circumstance like a lot of these uh, these kinds of, of, of scenes might be for you. So. If you've ever been to places like this, like Brigantine, Steel Pier, Coney Rye Island, you, going through this book, there are, are things that trigger smells yeah. and, mm-hmm. and sounds that um, can only mm, be right. The, the horse jumping off the, the, the thing into the bucket, you know? The, the the games and the and the, the, the barkers trying to get your attention and the, just the music and the people and the the smells right and the food you all you get that from this yeah. and he does it's it's totally vacant the park is 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 um, off season so there's there's none of that but the the requisite architecture and the little stands that he does and the little uh, uh, rides and stuff that is completely authentic to what I remember. That's the thing. It may not have been authentic to anything that ever existed on the planet but it's an amalgamation of all of those things that I experienced as a kid filtered through Darwin Cook. Mm -hmm. It's just great. I think the older you are you'll probably appreciate the story a little bit more. I mean it's it's definitely I, I mean to give you an idea as to of a time, the stories are. The stadium ended up with one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars at the at, at at the end of the day as a total take. I mean, oh, that's insane. How man. much? Yeah, it's in the, it's in the second story. But how? I mean, how 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 much would it? How much would the ticket total be these yeah, days at a stadium? Sure. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah. so it. But well, I mean, so so in this most case, of it's digital anyway. In 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 Slayground, this is. Uh, the, the 69. Is 80, I think 87. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, not even a yeah. yeah. Oh, no, the year. Isn't it no, 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 I'm saying the amount of money in the bag is $87,000. Right. Which is not a whole lot of money. It's not. But in inflation adjusted, it's about 600000 bucks. So it's... Uh, How, you figured that out? Yeah, use an inflation calculator. Because <laughs> we all have one. Well, you can no, Google it. You just type in the year. You There's just, such a thing? Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. Just go look at the big but billboard. Like, so, no, because because again, like so, but that I mean, that six hundred grand for one dude is a lot. I mean, oh, absolutely, yeah, right, right, yeah. But um, I don't think he would stop doing what he's doing. Funny story about Brigantine, Vince. Uh, my mother and father uh, went to Brigantine, and my mother, her engagement ring fell off her finger, and so they ended up actually like turning on the lights in the middle of the thing, and she and they said like Wolfman and Dracula were like helping them look for the. That's awesome. Did they find it? Oh, that is the best story ever. Well, it's not that great because they it's got like Monster Squad a year later. But. Oh, it's like, the, <laughs> it's, it's like the Monster Squad. It's yeah. great. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, there it is. <laughs> and it's, it seems like it's a breezy story because there are a lot of silent panels and pages because yeah. it's just, you know, you are he's not talking to himself. It's not, right. There is a little bit of a narration here and there, but for the most part, it's unless somebody is, yeah. Sort of like laying low yeah. waiting for to spring the traps, you know. He, most of the conversations are the people who were spread out to find him. And there's a real nifty, I mean, most of it is him laying these traps and executing them, but then there is a pretty nifty, at one point he finally decides, listen, I, you know, I'm up against a mob, like they're going to keep coming, you know, at this point I killed the guy's son, like, like I, I can't, like, I, my plan, initial plan, was like laying low, and then I can't do and that. Like, I gotta yeah. make it, I gotta try and make it get away. And uh, I thought it was a pretty clever yeah. attempt at a getaway. Yeah, again, which, nothing. Which made me think that he keep the cop alive because to, of because his he needed, yeah. or did he need him to he, get Well, out? he absolutely needed him, but yeah. 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 And the way he had the bandages around his head, and Darwin just draws the one eye. 
peeking out. That's a great, great, great panel. Well, they're all great panels. And it's just little things. I mean, like the 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 fonts that he uses for each 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 rod are different. You know, and like yeah. he puts graphic design into these little things, which you know he wouldn't doesn't really need to do. It no, really change the story in any material way, but just Darwin was so meticulous about those things. I could have done without the map of the 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 uh, place. Oh, the the fold-out map? map, yeah, I could have done without that. Wow, I thought it was excessive and unnecessary. You don't? Do you really need that map? He wanted well you because he even you says about maps. You're like, Man, that's insane. You need it's to know true. where the realms are. No, he does say. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, the Fun Island is a large square surrounded by a man-made stream. The park was cut into eight pie-shaped pieces, each representing a different type of island theme. So they want. He basically wanted to let you know that yes, this is this is what he just explained. Right. Plus, if you're playing along, you'll I mean, you'll know you, you'll you know you'll be able to go. Oh, okay. So Parker's here now. He's going, so that's the kind of fun shit I. Would as with fantasy, I know, but it, that to me said Darwin's flexing his graphic design muscles. I mean, go ahead. Stuff. You want to flex? Great. Stuff, yeah. But I I opened it up. I looked at it briefly, and I just tipped it back in. Got a little interlude here. Cool. Try 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 try. This is the best, people. This is real life. You're never going to get this on the other weeks. Jason always meets so, it. In my version of the... Because in the Martini edition, I don't get the prologue like right after. I get the Brubaker and Phillips story. And okay. then an interview between Brubaker, Bruce Tim, and Scott Dundee about Darwin. Nice. Their friendship with him. Oh, I didn't get that. No. no. Well, this is all part of the Martini edition. That's still available? This just came out. The second one just came out. I got it in my shit. Yeah, if, if, if I see him this weekend, I'm grabbing him, but yeah. What do you mean, second? There's more than one martini in here? Yeah, because the so first one's got the books? first two books. Yeah, this is yeah. volume two. So I'm holding volume two. It's called it's called uh, The Last Call. It's uh, And this collects... Um, this collects... And this just came out. This came out like a month ago. Like I said, it took a few years more... Has the score, Slayground, right. Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which is a, I think, t like 12, 13 page Brubaker Phillips story. And Three Guys Walking to a Bar is the 20 pages of interview about their friendship with him. And then there's a bunch of process art and prose from Darwin about making of these books. Uh, and then obviously the first Martini edition, which came out, mm, what, six, eight years ago, maybe? Oof. At least, but we're give or take, but uh, that has the first two of the novels. So. Man, what a feather in Brubaker and Phillips's cap that they're included in a book of Darwin Cook's work. Well, not only they included, they, he, uh, Brubaker and Phillips um, were the editors of this book. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, they were chosen to curate this section. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, so. But all right, so another feather that they were chosen to edit a book yeah. uh, representing the work of Darwin Cook and have a story in it, and people don't think it's out of place right. you know what I mean right. so yeah who else is going to do it right who else is of the same caliber or, or close to Darwin Cook yeah I mean and uh, the interview again here I am I always say I don't like back matter I, I did read the back matter this like hypocrite I know totally uh, I didn't realize how much um, I guess I should have but like Darwin like, Bruce Tim was like his dude like, that was very dude. similar but like Darwin Credits Tim for like him having a career. Wow, which I was interesting. That's yeah. great. So, 
But I guess that makes sense because Tim does precede him a bit in yeah. the animation. Like they all kind of yeah. because of that stuff. Yeah. They both draw great women. That's true. And, and I don't know if you know, so the connection here is that, uh, so Brubaker is currently show running the new, the new Batman yeah. cartoon that's coming out, which is a new, like a, I don't know if you know if they say the years, but it looks like it's like a set in like the 40s. And it's like, it's a Batman cartoon and Tim, it's a, Tim is the executive producer, but he handpicked Brubaker to be the showrunner. Sweet. So that's how about Yeah, when Brubaker first teased it, everybody was like, oh, they're going to, they're finally going to do Gotham Central on HBO Max, but it, that's not. Yeah. That's yeah, I think it's on HBO Max, so it's going to be adult, like adult, yeah. like Great. R-rated. It should be pretty cool. Yeah. That's what he's been doing in addition to banging out these all-time great crime novels every six months. Jeez. The dude isn't busy enough. I feel bad for too too old to die young. I mean, I thought it was good, I but I think it was just misunderstood. I agree. Yeah. His uh, miniseries on, on uh, Amazon, watch it. Amazon Prime. John Hawks is in it from uh, Deadwood, and so Miles Teller. John Hawks was uh, Saul the Jew. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, cool. The episodes have no set length. Yeah, you, you can have one episode that's oh, forty-five minutes. Yep, and the next He's episode will be two hours. Isn't he good? Yes. Yeah, but he, Miles Teller is a freaking ass. I don't know if you're going to like it. Well, it. Sounds good to me. I think Zoe Bell had a hand in it too because Brubaker is a fan of hers. Okay. It moves at an iceberg pace. Yeah, it is slow. It's deliberate. Oh, there, okay. there are certain scenes like um, the Twin Peaks season two, episode one, where Cooper's laying on the floor and he's been shot and the old man keeps coming to the, mm-hmm. the door. Um, I know about you and he walks off and Cooper's still laying there and the old man comes back like there are some scenes where you're just like what get fuck? on uh, with you're watching already. someone just do laps in I'm the pool I'm actually uh, much to your, I'm, I'm very I I'm, think I'm going to rewatch Twin Peaks here soon it's the best show that's ever been on TV I, I mean I'm, I'm, I'll see if I agree with you <laughs> and oddly enough I know I die at the, at the foot of season 2 I think season 3 is better I like season three a lot. Season three is crazy. I'll let you know. Yeah. I have it on Blu-ray for a I just watched the first season of Fargo, finally. Wow. I've never seen it. First season's fantastic. It was awesome. Uh, never yeah, seen the movie Absolutely. Yeah. Finally saw the movie after oh, I watched the Oh, I seen the movie when it yeah. came out. I'm a big Coen Brothers fan. Um, yeah, no, it's on, but it, it's, yeah, the, the, the seasons are a little uneven as it continues. I, but I totally forgotten that Billy Bob Thornton was, in, was actually in the show. Oh, God. Yeah. So good that first so. season is phenomenal. He's still smelling. You know, Mark, Mark Martin too, but yeah, Martin Freeman is yeah. amazing in it. No, that was great. I mean, the whole cast was great, I and mean, I thought that was an excellent show. Like, just Colin Hanks is in that season, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays uh, the the cop. Yeah, well, the cop turned turned EPS guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Parker survives. Of course oh, he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and like the last page is so noir. Like he's like he's like in for the first hour he just wrote. Yeah, that was like, great you know, that's because it. that's because that was the thing. I mean, Parker. I mean, all of these books and stories were always, Parker gets up into shenanigans, sometimes he's the big winner, sometimes he barely makes it out, but then he moves on, like, he's just always, and because of the life he lives, like, he's never, like, dude doesn't just chill, like, dude's always looking for the next door, he's always, like, trying. Always looking over his shoulder, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's got way more enemies and friends. What a life, though. Yeah. For the next hour I just drove. And chances are really good he'll find a woman at the end of the road. Yeah, And... Have some fun and then move on to the next job and things will get complicated. But he's beholden to no one. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a life, isn't it? <laughs> it's a life. I mean, well, not, I know I, you got to serve somebody, but still, no, it's not a life that I mean. I don't aspire to that kind of life, but yeah, but it's definitely an interesting. It makes for like I think it's an interesting. 
each day would we bring a new adventure. Or the possibility of a new adventure. If you don't feel like having an adventure tomorrow, you just like, oh, I'm going to sleep in and watch, you know, TV. And then I'll go rob a bank. I mean, that's like, I mean, we've talked about our mutual appreciation for Kerouac. I mean, that, like, when I think of Kerouac, that's just what I think, right? Like, he just had this penchant for living life in often very mundane ways, but somehow making it seem really interesting. Right. And, like, that's super hard to do, right? Yes. I mean, um, it's, it, you know, because you sit, like, like when I think of my favorite pros, I mean, think about it, like, Cormac McCarthy, Herman Melville, like, I love really long, meticulous, tedious pros if it's well done, you know? I mean, somehow it, that, that those stick with me more than almost anything. Um, but right. I realize, like, a lot of those, a lot of my favorite books are books that a lot of people think are, in, like, insufferably long or right. too drawn out, but they work for me. You may like Too Old to Die Young. There you go. Because it's visual... Melville prose. There's just so much of it. There's some attractive people in it. Oh, yeah. And, um... Uh, servant. Yeah, the, 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 nanny, the nanny from Servant. No. She's... Olive oil? She, stop. She's gorgeous. Leanne. She's, she's, she's gorgeous. Miles. She's gorgeous. Miles, uh, no, you don't have a meaning of word then. Um, Miles hits that? Oh, that's, but, that's, in, but in the story... She's like See, that's six, an what, she, she's like sixteen. Yeah, she's she's underage. She's, she's wicked and he underage. Gets, yeah, yeah. Oh, but the, dude, the episode where the uh, where they film the porno. You're right. Oh my god. Don't you feel like Miles Teller like been around forever, but he feels like he's on like just like like this. Just like the past three years, he's done shit. He looks to he's me like, like he pressed his face against glass for a little too long. As a kid. <laughs> he's, you know, he's thirty five. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, I would have thought he was like 22. No, yeah, no, yeah. But then I was telling him, because uh, after we, we went we went and saw Top Gun as a family, and for those that don't know, Miles Teller is one of the stars of Top Gun, the new Top Gun, uh, which, by the way, is it's like, Tom Cruise, this is Tom Cruise's first ever $100 million opening weekend. No shit. Seriously, yeah. One, right? But um, but Miles Teller, uh, we were talking about the movie afterwards, and I didn't realize that Teller was the star of the... The uh, he had like a three, a three movie franchise like like uh, Diversity, and then there were two others that like and he was the star of that. And my kids were like, "Do you remember those movies?" Because they read the books. And oh, like, Insurgent uh, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, okay. Oh, Divergent, not Diversity. Yeah, Divergent. yeah, yeah. And then the other two, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, he was the star of those." So, yeah, dude's been around for a minute. I was predicting that he's now of the moment. We're gonna see some announcement soon that he's like a new Marvel. Like he's oh, I expect him to be. Like I expect him to be in a Marvel. Yeah, he, yeah he's yeah. he's. Like, I mean, he does have this thing from being Reed Richards in, in the last Fantastic I know, Four. But, that but matter. I know it should. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, look at Chris Evans. Exactly. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. You or, mean uh, or even, um, and, um, uh, <laughs> He said he wants to do you with Torch. Um, dude from uh from Creed. Uh, oh yeah, Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same thing, right? Yeah, he was Human Torch in the Fantastic Four. Killed him so. Um, yeah, Miles Teller's like, and and I saw an interview with like Teller talking about. Uh, I forgot he was in Whiplash. Yeah, how uh, where he was a star Whiplash, about how like what it was like when they were filming Top Gun, like in terms of getting in shape. Like he said, they all every time the camera cut, they'd all start doing push-ups and sit-ups and punches. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like they all were like they had to get ripped, and they said it was so frustrating because all these guys are like in their late twenties, early thirties, and they're all cut and beat up, and then. They'd be like busting their ass and like eating all this food and like training, and then like Tom Cruise would just be like crush them all the time. Like, like dude's like sixty, and he just like crush like 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 five hundred crunches like when they're like dying. And they'd be, like, oh, they're, like, they're, like he's not a Scientology planet. man. He's not a this planet, dude. Like it's like ridiculous. Like dude's sixty, and he's better shape than. I'm not saying it's aliens. Says that you, but yeah, aliens. I know it's not. It's yeah, not yeah, aliens, it's but it's aliens. Dude. It's that yeah. thing. It is. Yeah. 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 
But this is great stuff. I mean, I hope we don't didn't give it short shrift in it. Well, know? we didn't even touch the second story. I can't speak to it because I don't, I don't. I didn't reread it. I don't have it. Oh, okay. Um, it's called the seventh, and that's the number seven. E V N T H. I wonder why they didn't put it in this. That is interesting. That's pretty weird, right? I wonder if there's something. It does feel like an afterthought in this volume, though. It's not really that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no connection to it. It's just another this is story a, this where. It's an orange colored scheme. There's yeah. a connection in the sense that it, is, it flips the script on the first story. In the first story, Parker manipulates his environment to get one on the people chasing him. In this story, Parker has the environment manipulated against him by someone trying to get him. Yeah. Well, not so much get him, just get away from him. But still, yeah. Because, I'm, I'm sure so that if some of those things killed him, that the guy wouldn't feel The like. The prologue basically spells it out. Like I mentioned, $115,000 that they, the, they were, there were seven of them. They were all going to get a cut of this $115,000. Um, the money was, Parker kept the money. Held it off to the side. Everybody agreed that that was fine, and um, and it was a local girl named Ellie, who uh, who Parker Gorgeous shacked up with. Blonde. Parker comes back to the room, find a sword in her chest, and the money gone, mm. and they basically tip the cops off to what was going on in the room, framing Parker. Oh. Parker gets away. Um, Parker explains what happens. Turns out that um, the person who killed Ellie is an amateur uh, and also a jealous lover yeah, he's, he's of jealous. Ellie. Yeah. Uh, so he um, he found her with Parker, killed her. Oh, so he killed it was a crime of passion. Right. Yeah. Oh, I see. He takes the money and the guns as an afterthought. Um, so Parker's after him. And that's when the story really gets underway and Parker finds him, chases him to a construction site where, uh, as Vince said... It's like the, on uh, one too. It's it's <laughs> he's he's uh, he, he's after the dude, um, and dude tries pleading for his life, and uh, doesn't end well for him. Doesn't no. But the kicker is that uh, you know the guy's like, listen, I still got some money. Money's all yours. Take what you want. Um, he so, did. He dropped the bag, but not before taking. Yeah, he, a he stuffed of his pockets with it. And uh, Parker kills the guy, goes through his pockets, collects all the money, and basically ends up with um, $16,300, which is basically... Adjusted for inflation? The seventh. His seventh. His, right. So it all, it, it all worked out what for Parker. Uh, we do not... But it's a, pre, it's a prequel to... They say it's a prologue, right? Oh, pro, this is the prologue to the actual story. Oh, so we don't know when this is set. Right. Okay. Probably like a hundred grand now. Yeah. Give or take. Good old Parker. But to lose a woman like that, though. Oh, yeah, I know. God. He's going to have another one. That right? is true. They're all over the place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my dude gets it done. And sadly, Parker will return in 2015. Yeah. yeah in our hearts. In our hearts. Yeah. Absolutely. But, I mean, something like this, it's, it's a thing that you can read easily, enjoy. Oh, yeah. Put it on the shelf. Maybe in a year or two, you go back to it and like. I have just, reread. I, I have reread the first. I vaguely one. remember it's like around like I remembered it was the one set in the amusement park, and I remember the premise was he had to lay all these traps. But like rereading it was pretty much de novo. I mean, not like like I, I didn't remember all the little nuances of it, no. and, and so it was a, it was like the perfect kind of reread because 
like I knew what I was getting into, but it was largely I had largely forgotten most of the, the, the key the key moments. Well, that's why we keep our books, right? So we can return to them. Mm-hmm. They're little time release treasures. You read them once, you enjoy them, you put them back, and then maybe something will trigger the the fondness for the book, and you reread it again. You're like, damn, I didn't get that pick up on that the first time around. That's the joy of paper. <laughs> my uh, my. Beth's parents, my in-laws, uh, who are both passed on now, but they were voracious readers, and both were like I met them both. Beth and I got together like months after they were both had retired, for, so I only knew them as retirees. And uh, but they were young retirees, so like they they would just vacation and read, and like they loved to read. And and, and uh, her dad was like just just loved loved crime novels like fiction. Uh, he was a big Westlake fan, and um, I would just re- remember like a lot of times he'd just be like, Yeah, I got like. You know, 150 pages into this this novel, and then I realized I'd already read it. You know, and it was just like, I was like, as a comic, I'm like, I respect that. Like, I can definitely yeah. see as I get older, like, that's going to happen to me. Sure. Too. Be like, oh, I don't know if I read this. And then, like, halfway through, you're like, oh, I didn't read it. But I'm going to keep going. You know? Yeah. Never met a book I didn't like. I met a lot of books I didn't want to keep, but I, I never met a book yeah. I didn't like. Uh, so you gotta, I try to find a silver lining in everything. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like you buy a, a bad album, and w- w- when you listen to it, you're like, mm, this is not that great. The longer you listen to it, yeah, it's not so bad. Maybe I'll listen to it again. And then things seep in. and I mean, it could very well be bad, but the familiarity with the thing... Like Aerosmith's program? Eleva- never. Ele- elevates it a little bit uh, above just Drek, right? Which has nothing to do with Parker no. because it's not even anywhere near no. uh, trash. It is. It is the good. Good. It's the cream of the. Of the crop. I mean, there's, there's. As much as I dislike the person, if Payback is on TV, it's still a movie that I will probably sit through mm. for a Who's little while. That? That's Mel Gibson. Gibson. It's oh. Mel Gibson's version of Parker. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't watch it. And Point Blank being the Lee Marvin movie. Where he also plays yeah. a version of Parker, not the right. can't use the name, but um, I mean these are stories that yeah you can revisit, you can go back and read. I, I have read Hunter a few times since it's come out. Um, I and, and and partly because Darwin knows how to tell a story. He's yeah, a magician, yeah. But it's it's also it's I like seeing Parker what he gets into and how he gets out of it. Like you wonder how meticulous. Darwin was making these like did he slave over all of these decisions or was he just so preternaturally talented it just came out and it was like perfect well you've got some of his sketches and whatnot I mean it looks no like I don't even mean the visuals I mean like the decisions of like how to pace it right like how to draw a review like what to show what it, it never ceases to amaze me the guys that we think uh, that we we hold in very high esteem they agonize over stuff of course and and um, like like um, Jeff Darrow Self-loathing to a point where it's like, it's very hard to believe that it's that it's true. But what the saying, way he denigrates himself. Yeah. But like that runs again, right? Like we like there are creators like that, but then there are creators who are just like, nah, man, like I just yeah. decide to do it. Like I get it done. Yeah, know? I think Brubaker's like that, and Phillips. I think they just do it. Yeah, I mean that's what Brubaker said. Like Phillips is just a machine. Like he yeah. just he loves to draw. He's incredible at it. And, and they seem and, to be an extension of each other. Yeah, like whatever Brubaker thinks of, Phil's put on the page. Like, obviously, and he's, because I've seen, I've heard a bunch of interviews with, with Ed, and he says all the time that, like, you know, he doesn't pussyfoot around. He says, you know, we, we're fortunate, like, unlike a lot of people in our industry, like, 
we don't need to make more. Like, he's like, Sean could, you know, and Sean's like, in, I think Sean's in like his late 50s. Like, he's like, you know, Sean's a little older than Ed. He's like, Sean could never work again. Like, like he, but he, he's just a work, he loves to draw comics. Like, so it's like, I, ha and he's like, in order to make sure that I don't lose him as a partner, <laughs> I have to continue feeding him great ideas, like, that he wants to draw. Like, that's, that's why I keep, like, I, I never want to make him bored because I'll, I'll lose him, you know? And, um, you know, that, but I think there, yeah, there are guys that, hate everything they do and never want to look at it again but there are guys that like like I don't think like I think Jim Lee feels himself right like I think Capullo feels himself like I don't think they don't like I don't think they look what they don't like that's shitty I can't look at that anymore like I think they're like damn I'm, I'm really dope like I'm well good. even Matthew Allison some of I mean I've heard mm -hmm. I've been in his presence where he'd be like he would just nah that's not that really not that good I'd be like dude are, are you freaking insane mm -hmm. yeah yeah you're, you're on a, a next level but I'm I'm I admire that to a certain extent, but on, like in the case of Jeff Darrow, mm -hmm. you have to be like, really? Are you just trying to get me to say, oh no, you're so good? I don't know. Because I, from the vantage point of, of the viewer, you look at the work and it's impeccable. How could anybody find fault with it? Right. You know, not the least of which the person that made it. But, I yeah. mean, we're not in their heads. I don't know where Darwin fits on that spectrum. And I'm sure we have know. people listening to this or even friends of ours that knew him personally that probably could speak to it. Like, I don't know if he was a tortured soul in that regard or if he was very confident in his work. I don't, I don't know. Right. But anyway, I mean, we reap the benefits, whatever the case was. Because we, we have the work of the man that will endure, and whenever we want to revisit it, we can. And I think it's a great testament. I mean, you know, there are, we've all read so many comics at this point. There are certain tentpole creators where you do kind of trace a direct lineage to other creators who clearly were like deeply motivated by their style right and Darwin's certainly one of them and I always say like for me like I know that someone's an all-time great in my mind if I end up actively seeking out their followers their you know they're they're sure they're, and, and, right. and, and enjoying their work too and again like like Darwin and like that Darwin and Tim style I mean yeah J-Bone yeah, but like Javon Santos, like I mean, uh, like uh, you know, uh, Rod Espinosa, uh, yeah, Elsa Charitier, like all, yeah. like uh, like uh, I'll I'll read anything they all do because and 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 again, I'm not saying it's like on the level of Darwin, but like it's evocative of it, right. and I and I find even 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 at whatever percent you want to say they are of, of the same style, like I'm I'm I find that captivating, which speaks to like how great Darwin was. For me. Well, there's a lot of toth in. Yeah. Both Bruce, Tim, mm -hmm. and Darwin yeah, Cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, yeah, I it's like Ancestry.com. You could trace yeah, yeah, it yeah. back. I, I think Tim is off, uh, in, if I remember correctly, he's often said, like, Toth is his dude. Like, right. was his sort of spirit guide, like his mentor. Not, not like direct mentor, but his, his inspiration. Yeah. And you can see it, and that's not a bad um, deity. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. So, there you go. Uh, Darwin Cook's interpretation of Richard Stark, a.k.a. Donald Westlake's Slayground. A.k.a. the final, the final Parker novel. Yeah. Parker adaptation. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Seek it out if you haven't read it already. All right. I have a, a little bit of a surprise. Do you? Uh, do tell. I've been planning this. Oh, no. <laughs> what is going on? No, no, no. It's not. It's, it's fun. All three of us are from a time when... IPs equaled comics, TV show, sure. toys. Uh, in, in a lot of cases, the toys would drive sales. The show would drive sales for the toys and vice versa. And um, 
Do you remember the time when you can go to a corner shop and pick up a comic in a plastic bag? Yes. Of course. Well, hopefully, I will make you remember those days. Because what I have here... Unveiling a bag. This right is now. for you. Oh boy. And this is for you. Ooh. Now these figures are sold at dollar stores. Okay. They're literally a dollar. Okay? It's called Final Faction. Mm -hmm. They have good guys and bad. It's basically G.I. Joe. Yeah. And uh, you can buy vehicles. For the figures, additional, they're a dollar. Additional weapons you packs separately. You can buy battle packs, weapons packs, they're a dollar. Oh my god. Um, the bad guys have augmentation. You can buy these these living guns that hang on the back of their backs for a dollar. So I've been buying these for a good while. Uh, they're not, I mean, they're middling figures. They're not super great, but for a dollar, I think you get far more than what you paid for it. And I've been keeping an eye on them. I buy the ones I like. I cherry pick. I've been buying some battle packs. Last time I went to the dollar store, there is a cartoon coming from this set. And there's a comic book. Oh, boy. So I got y'all the Final Faction. First edition. The origin says, story. Band Destiné. Right on the front. <laughs> Save that. When we need it, right? And the, I mean, our dollar store has since become a dollar and a quarter store. That's oh, inflation. Yeah. Chris Marin and holy shit. Yeah. So um, I thought, what the heck? We'll all open them up here on the show, dive in, see what these comics are like. This is great. Uh, cover date February 2022. And I believe it's only it's not a full size comic. It may be 16 or 20 pages, but. Not that bad. That's a little rough in spots. <laughs> but it's not that bad. Alright, so it's the origin story. Yeah. You have the uh So the I like that you open it up and you have to collect them all. You've got a, a snapshot of all the toys. Yep. Now see I'm pissed at you because now I'm gonna have to go and buy all these toys. So they're a dollar. dollar. You can buy a yeah. case of them. Fair enough. Not even worry about it. Set in the year twenty fifty. And the, the aliens. You got a roadblock looking dude. Yeah. Right? You got a scarlet looking chick. Something is coming. Well, they've programmed it. The aliens are a cross between the xenomorph and uh, maybe Feeble Starship weapon. Troopers. Dude's dog name is Churro. That's yes. hilarious. <laughs> but the big bad's purple. These humans are a As are all good handled? big bads. It definitely oh, has a G.I. Joe. Sarge feel. has a cable arm. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, after he gets blown up. This is is called oh, Riptide. Final Faction First Impact, and there, there's really oh no. Oh my God! There, the, Riptide's a the, fisherman. The exoskeleton dude is, is doing. He's dab. He's dabbing. <laughs> he's dabbing, dude. Oh, there's fake ads in the back. Mm. Professor Bizarro's disappearing potion. One try. Even Churro gets a canine out of mech suit. He is dabbing. It's not bad for a buck. It's full color. Slick it's printed, paper. It's printed on, I would say, better paper than than Marvel and DC prints on. But Final Faction Earth, Cola. Earth's not going down without a fight. 
End no. of issue number one to be continued. You have to get the fake it ads. It says Final Faction issue number two, Karn, Karn Kingdom. Kingdom. Karn's the big bad. Steven uh, the Reinforced Costa Rica. So we should credit the, because uh, we don't have the credits. Yeah, Chris Marinin, I'm telling you. Uh, Scriptwriter Toby Osborne, penciler and inker Chris Marinin, inking assist, a.k.a. our man Dap could have done the job, Luis Rivera, colorist Mimi Simon, letters John Hebink and Mike Manley. Ooh. Right? We know Mike Manley. Yeah. Yes, we do. And uh, spoof ad artist uh, Pete McDonald. Pete McDonald, nice. Yeah. Uh, and some of the panels, there's a definite Kirby feel. Yes. Uh, Mixed with maybe Trimpy in some spots. So they've definitely... I think they've done their homework. I'm not saying it's on the same level as those guys. Of course. But it's a buck. This is awesome. Yeah, this is Thank crazy. You, so what are these toys... Like, how long has this been existing? They've been out for at least a year and a half, maybe two years. So Vince gave me Riptide, uh, who I don't... Is he in this? Yes, he is. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's shown... Okay. Firing away at... Uh, he's a specialist Riptide. Oh, there he is. Yeah. Fisherman. Oh, he's Fisherman. Yeah, he looks, he looks like... Uh, like, like uh, Yeah. Uh, Outback from... Uh, and I thought it was like a fad initially. Or, uh, you know, a shot in the dark by somebody just trying to make toys. But the things, in, at least in my neck in the woods, they seem to be selling. Hmm. Because I'll go in one day and the pegs are choked with, with product. And then maybe a week later I'll go in and there's... I mean, real talk, Two or like, three. you know, if, if you're a family that's, like, you know, broke or, like, you know, and, like, it, like it'd be cool to, like, be able to give your kids, like... Right, absolutely. Yeah, like, they're actual, not bad yeah, figures. Yeah. yeah. And you get accessories on the card with them. Color-changing pieces, too. Now, how do they change color? Do they change color? You probably dip them in cold water. Nice. Brood is maxed out on the turtle. Just like the Teenage Mutant... What was that? Uh, the turtle figure that changed colors when you... Was it Ray Filet? He, he was a, uh, a Ray, and if you dipped him in cold water, he, he the color would change, but they had to take it off the market because there was something toxic in the Now, they commit the ultimate sin. In the paint. Their URL has a dash in it, which nobody ever wants you to see. They that. are on Instagram, though, with a dot, final dot faction. Take a picture of the comic and put it up this on the... This is www.final-faction.com. Ages 3 plus. For you uh, young parents out there. Let's see, there's Churro, who's the dog, Scope, Torn, Amari, Riptide, P131, who's the robot that was dabbing, Diabol is the leader of the bad guys, Crepitus, and Crawler. Karn yeah. is the name of the, That's the, the species. species yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, it says, years 2050, an asteroid collided with our moon. And we discover a hibernating alien mother- mothership of the car. Good stuff. Look at you. Yeah, I thought you'd like yeah, it. Oh, it was the G.I. Joe angle that, that sure. made me pick them up for yeah, you. Yeah, 100%. And I knew Dap would And this issue's got to get, get in the gang together, too. Which right? Is, yeah, there's always a sell for me. <laughs> so if you're at a dollar store, uh, take a look around. The, the comics will be in very close proximity to the figures. There are many of them. Uh... Take a look around, see what you like. Just buy their buck and a quarter a piece at most. They're cool. Damn, dollars are right. Like charging more than a dollar. What's the world coming to? Yeah, there was a big tumult locally when they I raised it. I mean, I, I said, you know. It's like Little Caesars raising their prices. Right, right to the wife. It's not a quarter. What it, yeah, but it's like for every item. I'm like, oh my God, are you well, serious? Yeah, the one by us is now 99 cents and up. 
is what it says. That's on the what side. they get. No, but see, I guess because we live in bougie area, we we don't have it. We have a five below already. Like, we have a five below. So like yeah. five dollars. So it's. Five we love five. We below. have five below. Yeah. Right, but I'm saying like. I feel like the five below's are in a little bougier areas. Yes. Like they, they, right. They don't, they, don't, they don't... Usually next to a Hobby Lobby. Not our, ours we, next to Walmart. We do have a Hobby Lobby, but it's not. It's another part of town. Well, I'm... Trying to get a Renee Hobby Lobby. I think we Thank should. You. I think we should read these tonight before we uh, we turn in. It's not going to take us a long time. What do you think? talk about, about them on the right About 20 the pages? Yeah, I would say it's, it's about a single... Yeah, it's a single issue, give or take. Maybe 16 pages. For a buck. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if they're going to up the price for subsequent issues, but so what? They'll play up the page count. They might have yeah. to. I'm in. Every time I'm going to the dollar store, I'm looking for the next issue now. That's right. And I'll get them for you if you guys don't have them. I'll what's, them the, what's, what's the previews code? That's another great <laughs> thing about it. They, they're just totally bypassing previews. Yes. Because there's probably more more dollar stores in the country than there than there are comic shops. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We're, we're like, this isn't like low key like a CG thing, is it? Oh, I hope not. Oh, I don't know. I, I didn't even like think. A toy. I don't think CG messes with. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. It's a lot of money to yeah. invest in. Yeah, there. I don't have the money for that. Yeah. See, now you got me thinking. Nah, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. So there you go. Enjoy. Nice. What else do we have? Well, what'd you get that? Who'd you get for that? That car. Oh, I got him a bad car. I got brute. Bad guy for that. No, it's just big and bulky. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, like that. Let's talk about some comics. We still got a whole lot of time. <laughs> I like you trying to change the subject. It's cute. Eight oh two. Oh, look at you with a big old stack of books. Stack of book. I mean, I would normally have a stack of book. You just wouldn't see the stack because we're not together. But I've got a, a, just a shit ton of. Uh... You get Alpha Team One for forty-five bucks from Dollar Tree. Well, that sounds like a lot of money. It doesn't sound like Wait, a lot for the whole set? How many? I hope you get 45 figures of that. Uh, Alpha Team 1 Series 3 accessory packs, a buck 25 each, $45 total. Oh, so oh you got to buy the case. Case case quantity 36. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or you get the complete weight for 30 bucks on eBay right now. Or you can go to your dollar store and cherry pick the ones you want for a buck a piece. So the weirdest book I read last week, and these are all books I read a week or two ago because we, you know, we, um, we didn't get to them because we had our anniversary episode and all that. Um, it's a Fantagraphics book, so you know, between us all, we, I feel like we cover pretty much all of Fantagraphics these days. Well, I got a Fantagraphics book time myself. Nice. Uh, this is uh, Golden Boy, Beethoven's Youth by Michael, uh, which is M-I-K-A-E-L, Ross, uh, hardcover. OGN. It is uh, really, really quirky. Um, I bought it because it was a biographical comic by Fantagraphics, so I assumed, well, that's going to be interesting regardless of what it's like, you know, beyond that. Um, I didn't really know anything about it beyond that, but I just figured, oh, that's cool. Like, I don't know a lot about Beethoven. Like, I'm down to read a Beethoven graphic novel. Uh, and that is what it is, but it's it's not at all what I expected, and that it's not a straightforward biographical comic. Um, it's uh, it's Beethoven's youth, like as a kid, like a precocious kid. A kid, by the way, that I think Dap would want to punch in the face. He's a total. Well, that's pain. all kids. Yeah, but he's like a total pain in the ass, like annoying know-it-all kid, no respect for his elders. Um, <laughs> it's not just kids. That's all kids. Oh, you got asthma. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, and and it's uh, it's him basically as a as a youth, 
before he makes his first big public appearance in Vienna in 1795, which is when Beethoven becomes Beethoven um, and goes on this path to, to greatness, right? Um, and uh, the book starts in 1778, so you're talking about, what's that, uh, that's 17 years before his big public debut. And uh, they're living in Bonn, and his dad is basically a, a no-good dude. Like, his dad is an alcoholic, and uh, a bit of a, and again, I have no, you know, these were the 1700s, so who's to say how much liberty Michael Ross took with this, because do we really know what their lives are like beyond, um, but, but, it, but as the story goes, uh, Beethoven's dad was an alcoholic and a, a, a loser, you know, just, just a guy that was always uh, trying to get ahead, but he just couldn't do it, and, 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 and was often uh, trying to exploit his family to get himself out of debt, and that's really what happens, is basically, when he realizes that his son is, is a gifted musician, you know, dare I say musical genius, he starts trying to navigate his career, much in the way that, like, Tiger Woods' dad, you know, tried to get him into golf, or, like, you know, maybe Serena and Venus's dad tried to get, you know, Richard tried to get them into tennis. Now, I think in those cases, they, they had the best of intentions, right? But they were just controlling. His dad's controlling, but also an opportunist. So it'd be more like, um, you know, I guess, like, I'm sure, like, those stories you hear about, like, uh, like, uh, like uh, what was uh, what was the dude's name from Different Strokes? Uh, you know, oh, 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 oh! Um, I can't think of his name right now. Right? Gary Coleman. Gary Coleman. Yeah, you know the stories were like Gary Coleman's parents. Like you know he got into TV and he made all this money, but then like they they took all like they basically stole money from their kid. That's what Beethoven's dad is portrayed in this. Like he's basically like trying to make Beethoven do things for his to get himself ahead. Um, most notably, not allowing his son to play his own music. Basically, wants to create his own music, and uh, his dad doesn't think there's a market for that. He wants him to just play on the piano music at, that is popular of the time, so that people want to listen to it, right? And that's kind of the journey. But the book is rendered in like a really interesting, cartoony way. It's a, it's, it's a really exaggerated, almost like Sunday morning comic strip, car, Sunday comic strip cartoon. Um, and it's really like overdone in a way that like kind of took me aback in the sense that because Beethoven is a child in this, like there's a lot of um, uh, like low level uh, immature humor. Like they call, like other kids call Beethoven like, you know, like names like, 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 like poop head and stuff like that. Like, you know, or like he's like, no, like, like, like things like that, like, like really immature sort of like, yeah, well, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're a shithead. No, like, it's, it's like, it, it's, it's a, it kind of veers into this, like, realm of, like, kids being annoying to each other and pranking each other and all this sort of thing. But, like, so I, I don't know that, like, the vibe of the book really works to make you kind of appreciate the, um, the magnitude of, of Beethoven, right? Like, he's, now there's a name that, I mean, dude's been dead for 250 years and we, we, you know, we still all know him by name and his importance to musical history. And so it's, it's, I don't think the book really does a great job of capturing that, nor do I think it really intended to. Like, I think it's really just, like, dude thought, wouldn't it be cool to fill in the blanks of what Beethoven's life was like before he breaks big in Vienna? And, like, respect for the approach, but it was a little weird. Like, it didn't, it didn't leave me feeling like I really knew much more about Beethoven as a creator or, like, got a sense of, like, his, his, his genius. So, um... You know, well done book. Book looks great. The style definitely is, is uh, you know, it's Ooh. definitely like a, yeah, see Vince is like, it's definitely a style that is befitting of when you think of fan of graphics of like. It looks a little like Gon Wilson. 
does look, that's actually, you know what, that's an actually good, I was trying to think of a comp that didn't come to mind for me, but that's actually a great comp. Yeah, Gahog Wilson is a great comp. Um, you know, real sort of like extended lines, like thin lines, but like, uh, I like the look of it. Yeah, like, like, you know, very, very exaggerated anatomy, um, almost like poolish in places, but, uh, but yeah, like well done and interesting because it's like, you know, you don't see much of a marker for let's talk about the uninteresting portion of an interesting person's life, right? You know, like, like what happened to them before they were interesting, and that's kind of what this book does. Um, so bold decision. Not sure it was a total success, but you know, if you are a fan of classical music, certainly, then I think Golden Boy uh, is uh, worth your attention. So I know a lot of us uh, do the whole Fantagraphics uh, 50% off Fantabuck sale that Hell happens yeah. once a year. And I know if, if you're like me, I always promise myself I'm not going to pre-order a lot of Fantabooks so that I can take advantage of that sale. I and mean, every year I don't listen to my own advice. And then I'm scrambling to figure out what I'm going to order during the sale because I've already ordered a lot of stuff. So uh, file this one away, and uh, you know if you are, if you do have those fifty dollars fan of bucks coupons, you need to find something to buy and just flag Golden Boy as something that's uh, worth your time. If you if you appreciate you know, historical comics or in particular uh, classical music. I'm sorry to those at home who can hear me typing because usually I mute myself, but in this instance I can't because the other microphones are going to pick it up. So I simultaneously work on the 11oClockComics.com entry for this episode while we record it because I can't remember what we talk about unless I write it down. I don't feel like writing it down, so I just type it into the the show notes as we talk about it. And uh, Jason, we have a Fantagraphics Orama. Nice. Want me just to go so I can just piggyback yes. on him? Uh, okay. Well, this is not going to be a surprise to anyone. I read from Fantagraphics, Disney Masters Volume 15. The New Adventures of the Phantom Blot. All stories are drawn by Paul Murray, and these comics were originally published by Western Publishing between the years 1964 and 1966. And you're going to say, who's this Paul Murray cat? I don't know this guy. Ooh. Well, um, there was a point in Murray's career where he was regarded as a um, good Mickey Mouse artist. Like... Uh, he wasn't Floyd Godfordson, but like Carl Barks, um, Carl Barks was known as the good duck artist, right? Well, Murray was known as one of the good Mickey Mouse artists. And he ghosted on the Mickey Mouse Daily between 1944 and 1946, but he actually, before that, he was a Disney animator. He worked on Fantasia. Stop, right? You're done. If you say, I worked on Fantasia, you have my undying respect. Right. But anyway, he worked on Dumbo, and unfortunately, he also worked on Song of the South. Uh. Yeah, I saw that in the movie theaters when it came out. Ooh, really? My mother took me to see Song mm -hmm. of the South, and I was like, it's okay. I didn't pick up on anything. Right. Because maybe I was eight, right? I don't know when that came out, but... I saw it first drawn in the theaters. But anyway, so I'm obviously not going to go through the entire book. Number one, I don't have it with me. And number two, there are many, many stories in this uh, volume. It is uh, one of the first times that, uh, I think it's the first and only time, that a Mickey villain got their own book. It was a five or six issue series. They didn't plan it that way. 
but that's what it turned out to be, focusing on the phantom blot, right. Mickey's arch nemesis. Now, you may say it's Peg Leg Pete. Uh, there are many that will disagree. They think Mickey Mouse, uh, Phantom Blot is the quintessential Mickey villain. Okay. Right? So uh, this, the, the opening story, which is called The Phantom Blot Meets the Mysterious Mr. X, kind of sets the tones for all the stories to follow. Um, and the cool thing about this book is it's not just Mickey and Goofy. It's Donald and Uncle Scrooge and the Beagle Boys. And the, the, the whole, that's what Western was doing at the time. They wanted to attract a younger audience with their books. So you'd see a story with Donald Duck and maybe Scamp. Or like there was cross-pollination going on between the Disney characters. Uh, little did they know, many years later, that would be commonplace. But anyway. So it opens up with the Phantom Blot meets the Mysterious Mr. X. The whole story is about... This notorious supercriminal, Mr. X, and he pledges to drain Uncle Scrooge's money bin dry. He wants it all. I'm going to commit the crime of the century. Scrooge, you're not going to have a penny left here when I'm done. So Scrooge is freaking out, as Scrooge would do. Because when, when supercriminal knocks on, basically telegraphs that he's going to rob you blind, who do you call? Mm-hmm. Well, Mickey to the rescue. Uh, and Goofy. Not so much to the rescue, but Mickey. And um, so Mickey's on the scene. Donald's with him. Goofy. And uh, they got the police involved. Meanwhile, Mr. X informs everybody that not only am I going to rob you blind, I'm going to break the phantom blot out of prison, and he's going to help me do this. So we're both going to get you. So Mickey's like, what the heck? What do we do? The Phantom Blot's in prison. You have to increase security. And Mickey's like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. This may work to our advantage. Why don't we, I'm doing air quotes, break the Phantom Blot out of prison? Meaning, why don't we get somebody on our side to play the part of the Phantom Blot mm-hmm. while we move the Phantom Blot to another location and have, have the security like out the wazoo? And so Mickey's like, hmm. Who the hell, well, he doesn't say hell because he's Mickey. Who the hey, Nani, am I going to get to play the Phantom Blot? I need somebody that knows about the Blot, who has studied the Blot, who, in a sense, is a fan of the Blot. All of those apply to Goofy. Goofy clips Phantom Blot stories out of the newspaper. It's like seven. You, You walk into the room, he's got Phantom Blot stories plastered all over the walls, right? So Mickey thinks to himself, he's never going to do it on his own. Even if he did, he's unreliable. doesn't say that in a manner of speaking. But Goofy's Goofy, right? He's clumsy. He's, he's prone to, to disaster. So Mickey hypnotizes him. And he creates a, 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 sh- like a shroud, like the Phantom Blot, and leaves it next to Goofy. And he hypnotizes him every night around the same time. You're going to put on this costume and go out, and you are the Phantom Blot. So the Phantom Blot, or Mr. X, hooks up with what he thinks is the Phantom Blot, but it's Goofy. Right? Uh So, and Goofy's completely convinced that he's a Phantom Blot. But there's a part in the story where he's got Mickey down, and he can do very bad harm to him, and he doesn't do it. He's like, something's telling me not to do, because they're buddies. 
right? Subconsciously, he realizes. But that's, hilarity ensues. That's the kind of story you're going to find in this book. It's phenomenal. But uh, it is also the very first appearance of Super Goof oh, within shit. these pages. Wow. OG Super Goof. Yeah. Hmm. I love well, Super Goof. Now, when were these originally published? 64 to 66. Okay. So, um, they are Western, which eventually was Dell, right? And uh, targeted to a younger audience. The stories are just great. They're dense as hell. You can't just... Like, the, the first story, Phantom Blot Meets Profe Mysterious Mr. X, it's a complete issue. So it's like a full-length story. And it's just amazing. Uh, there, there are stories that uh, exploit the Western genre. There's some that delve into fantasy-based stories. There are urban adventures. There's antics at sea. Oh, shit. They're right. 246 pages of pure comics joy. And you've heard all 15? Yeah. It's a lot of comics. But it's not all Mickey. They alternate. Oh. One volume will be Uncle Scrooge, one volume will be Mickey, then it's Donald, then it's something else. Mm -hmm. um, you have, I said Super Goof, you got the Beagle Boys, Pluto's in it in some stories. Donald, Mickey, Scrooge, there's a Black Knight character in here. That's in the fantasy one. Um, Madame Mim is in here. All the exotic locales you would expect from a Carl Bark story. Um, they hop all over the place in this book. The, the, the way these stories, the warmth that I feel from these books, the, the, it, this one's 34 or something because it's extra thick. Mm -hmm. I say this all the time. She said, yes. And it's very, very, very true. If you told me you can only order Disney comics, from now on, I'd be like, okay. There's so much out there from which to choose. That's why the Fantagraphics uh, Disney Master Series is great because they 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 cobble together the Italian stuff, mm -hmm. the the stateside stuff. Like they're all over the map. Mm -hmm. And I haven't read a lot of those Italian stories. So, like the Ice Sword Saga, two volumes. Get out of here. Yeah. That stuff is worth its weight in gold. It's just so good. So um, if you if you're need a little bit of a tonic, put you in a feel-good place, check out Fantagraphics, Disney Masters, all of them. But this one specifically was Volume 15, New Adventures of the Phantom Blot, and it's all the product of a genius named Paul Murray. Now, where are you at with Don Rosa? I, I adore Don Rosa. But I'm saying, like, he's going to be a hero's con. I don't think you're nearly excited enough. Oh, I always... See, we always go up to Don's table. You do? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we talk to him because he's kind of, depending on... Is he promoted? Yeah, a little is bit. He? Really? Yeah. Hmm. He is very much unlike his stories. <laughs> I was. Th did you guys see the in the Slack about the, 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 the Mignola story? Yeah, well, you heard mine. Oh, he's killing me. Yeah? Cosmic Odyssey walked right up to Mignola. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he basically just did the yeah, old yeah, Luke Skywalker thing, get off yeah. my shoulder. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't, yeah, I don't know if to make it that clear. I don't know if that was a good comparison. A lot anyway. of people are like, a lot of people came to Manuel's defense and they've had great interactions with him. So, like, I guess it's just. Maybe he goes dude to Bruce's past. Bad day, you know? Yeah, you never know. Yeah. But he was surly as fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was at Mocha, right? No, that was at a Pentacon. 
in, in New York City. A long time ago. Oof. Cosmic Odyssey had just come out. Oh. Yeah. Dating yourself. I know my zones. <laughs> yeah. I love Disney comics. You do? I really do. You for sure do. Are the, uh, I think the only one that loves Disney comics more among our circle is Christopher Burton. The, uh, yeah. I mean, I know he loves, like, when I think of Burton, I just think of, like, animation. Like, he just loves animation. He does. It's like, yeah. like, an unyielding passion. Yes. Do they keep the uh, previous volumes in print? Or... Oh, Fantasy Graphics is pretty good yeah. about swinging I know they do a lot. I know. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, every once in a while you'll what see... What they do, they'll publish them separately, and then they'll publish them in a two-volume yeah, slipcase set. Slipcase so yeah, they yeah. usually boomerang the slipcase sets. Like, if one goes out of print, they'll maybe let it be out of print for a while, but then it eventually it's going to come back around. Yeah. Yeah. Fantasy Graphics is good with keeping their classic stuff in print. There's the, uh, they just solicited, they, or they're going, uh, they just announced that, uh, that new, like, $500 Love and Rockets series of... Yeah, I want to, but I how many times am I going to buy that stuff? I know, and it's, it's, it's like 500 discounted, like, I think it's like $800, like... Yeah. Well, I have all the singles. I have all the first edition trade paperbacks of various sizes, because they did... They did mag, you know, same size magazine ones, and they did the little, the smaller ones. I have them all, yeah. and it's just, and then I have the, the at the time, the complete locusts, and then I have the complete hoppers, like mm-hmm. those those big hardcovers. I can't keep buying this stuff. Yeah, it would be just so stupid for me to buy it again. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what happens. You like to collect them. If I saw it yeah. for like maybe three. Three fifty. There are totems. I mean, that's what it is. It's totems, you know. Yeah. High watermarks. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Fan graphics. Give them some love. All right, Dad. Give us a fan graphics book. Come on. Does he have uh, one? Do I have one? I don't think I have one. Dad doesn't fuck with the fan Oh please. Oh, he does. Yeah, he does. Are you kidding me, dude? Hit one of his favorite stories of all time. Nice. Tell him Pictopia. Yes. Anything published goes. by Fanagraphics. We you talked about monsters. <laughs> it's good to see and you. And what about your, uh, your, your, um, because the third volume is finally coming out. We ordered it. Uh, the, 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 the horse face, the, 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 the Annie Simpson, who the hell drew it? The. Are you talking about Dalgoda? No. Neil the horse? No. It's the, the, the short hardbacks, hardcovers. The Agalia, what the hell is the name of the books? The, From the, Fanagraphics? Yes. We've read the first two. The princess with the in, in, in the water oh, with the, the pr- song princess of Ag- Aglia or yes. whatever. Yes, those yeah. are Panthers. The, there's the Potato Boy is the third one. The third one, one yes, yeah, coming yeah, out. Come I ordered it, I'm waiting great. for it. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. very So good. that's Fanta, we enjoyed those. Yeah. Take it away. Do I have a Fanta? I, 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 I don't have a Fanta. Tell us what you. I was fucking with you. Don't I know, but I'm letting everybody know. Uh, well, I'm not going to go <laughs> deep on this. But what else to know? Uh, Self-deprecating humor is the best I, kind. I, I, I could spoil this for Vince, but I won't. Um, no. How can you? How can? Dude, I didn't get. I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance to read it yet. So that's just what I'm saying. No, no, no. It. I'm going to. Because I take like it's a, like a freaking pachyderm. It's a collection 
uh, from a bunch of years ago, actually. Um, originally published in 2004. This is Witches, the Complete Collection. So good. Um, a rarity shout out to manga that is complete collection in one Seven Seas Entertainment. Vince's go-to lately. For real. Um, Witches is uh, by, story and art, uh, Daisuke Agarashi. And they're all kind of, sort of connected in some way, shape, or form. It's an anthology. Uh, it's, it's, I really dig the art. It's a little different than some of the other manga books we've been reading lately. Um, there's some pages that kind of remind me of, of uh, Guido Creepax, Heavy Metal fame, but it's not, uh, it's kind of the opposite of Vince's, uh, <laughs> it's the, it's the opposite of uh, Vince's feel good. Disney story book. It it there's there's some um, there's some wickedness in this book. Witches are pretty much portrayed as evil beings and uh, vindictive, oh, damn. vengeful. Oh, yeah, for some so, yeah. Um, but I in, don't in, think they're wicked. In 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 a uh, there is at least one story where the government is trying to uh, take over some land like a rainforest and uh, the the shaman uh, or the guardian of the land is uh, doing everything she can to um, to keep the armed forces from uh, penetrating and and it, it's there's there's some revenge going on there it's I'm just I I saw it in previews I think Vince had it in his uh, in his video, maybe the I last did time he do did a did preview video. video on yeah. that. Yeah, so this must have been a while ago. This came out. Yeah. Oh, you do not miss a beat. <laughs> well played. Uh, but no, I think I, there's some stories that, that that hit me a little harder than others. Um, I think the art is is pretty solid. Definitely gets the uh, the point across. But yeah, I um, it it was kind of. Somewhat of an of an easyish read because I I started it and before I knew it it was uh, it was pretty much done. But yeah, it's it's definitely something that I took a gamble on. It's one of the one of the times where I can say that the uh, the gamble paid off. Um, so is the is the connective tissue of the anthology that they're uh, they're all stories about a witch of some sort? Yeah, um, there's I mean one <laughs> the first story the the. Uh, the girl grows up to be a witch because uh, an old lady mocked her. Mm. So she, she just felt some kind of way about that. And then the there's a um, there's a priest who believes that he is um, he is visited by his where is it? Mama, don't let your baby grow up to be a witch. Uh, a bird riding writ- witch. It doesn't work. There's only one syllable. I know. Um, so it, it, it's. The, I think it's the shortest story here. So there's a uh, there's a village with with a priest who um, basically the monsignor goes to visit him, and he uh, he says every day this bird comes to visit him, and apparently there's a witch riding the bird which only the priest sees and the um and that and 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 one of the characters from that story actually shows up in 
a story later on. So there are little little subtle nods here and there that uh, lets you know it's kind of all the same universe. Um, there are some really screwed up situations that some of the characters are in, but yeah, I. Uh, it's a weird one. It's definitely something that I think Vince will dig. I have a lot of respect for witches. Yeah. Well, they uh, manipulated uh, belief systems that actually produce results. If you believe that stuff, in I mean the the fiction, where yeah. where the the church or the the accepted religions were largely ineffectual, mm-hmm. where the witches were conjuring. That's why the Catholic Church stamped them out because the, the witches were effective mm. where the uh, you know the, the 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 dogma and the rituals attached to Christianity and all that kind of religions didn't really produce results right they can call on in many cases the devil to do stuff for them mm-hmm. and boom or or you know head of bat tail of newt drink this oh my god I love you right. forever so it works yeah. yeah. I gotta say the covers are resting for sure they're right, big eyes. Right, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I, I nailed that down as soon as I saw it. I thought, uh, as I said, I haven't read it yet, but the art is spectacular. Mm-hmm. So, Basically, And the fact yeah, that it's a done-in-one. Yeah. 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 The first story, on a visit to the city in the far west of Asia, a British girl named Nicola falls in love. The object of her affection is Mimar, a man who works at the city's bazaar. Yet despite her attempts, he turns her down. Upon returning home to England, the ache of her unrequited love festers. After years spent obtaining wealth, fame, and the secret of the world, Nicola returns to the bazaar to exact her deadly revenge upon Mimar and those he holds dearest. So, Mimar. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mimar. It's an award-winning tale. Or actually, it's award-winning work. Um, because uh, he's the winner of the Excellence Prize at the 2004 Japan Media Arts Festival. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's got it going on. I mean, you know, honestly, like, though, like, when you see something like that, like, for all we know, like, that could be, like, you know. You live in a classroom? Yeah, I mean, like, we have no idea. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> hey, he said it's not me. We're legit. How many, how many, makers, how man. many books you see, uh, the little stamp on the cover? Many. Oh, okay. It's because we've been Stray Dogs. The license. Stray oh, Dogs. Okay. The Stray Dogs has your quote on it. That's not. It's not mine. It's ours. This is Vince Bond. Eleven o'clock comments. Yes. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Fair enough. Bing bing. Well, that's that's the album. Aphrodisiac. I mean, we can make a list. But speaking of stray dogs, Fleece told me that uh, that the commission he's doing for me, Heroes, is officially the last commission, big commission he's ever doing. What? So I'm, I'm going. He's going out of style. Wait, why? Just too many. He's, you know, I think he's big time enough. He doesn't have to do commissions anymore. He's come a long way. Yeah, I guess so. But he said he felt like he owed me one, so. I mean, I'm paying for it, but like he, he, I've asked him for this commission for a long time. So, he told me also that uh, talk about Lane. Like he said, he he would be crushed if this isn't the my my favorite commission of of Heroes Gone. Wow! No, see, that's like now you gotta say that because we don't want to break Tony's heart. Well, I mean, Tony's a consummate pro, so like I know he wouldn't say that if he, if it wasn't a banger. Like he sure like like. It's like I'm excited because he, he must be excited about it, like right. Like he didn't look at it and be like, "Oh, I hope he likes it." Like he's like, "Nah, you're gonna, you're gonna love it, dog." So I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. Me too. I like Tony's art a lot. Hell yeah. Man's a well, he's one of us. Fourth chair. 
Uh, more comics, people? No? <laughs> I mean, always. Nice. So, this was uh, a couple weeks ago. This was on the Facebook group and the Slack. I always do a best thing I read this week. And uh, this was my choice two weeks ago. I didn't have a chance on the show to talk about it, though. Uh, it's called The Junction, uh, written and drawn by Norm Kanyu, which is K O N. YU. Uh, it's by Titan, actually, uh, who just got the Conan license. And you're all shitting on them for it. Uh, no, I think the general view there was that Titan's license work seems to pretty consistently fall short of the level of quality of their import work, which I would agree with. Well, I may have just picked a couple of winners, but Titan's Bloodborne is awesome. Didn't read it, so I can't speak to it. Peter Kowalski. On art. Right. And I, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've mentioned the Blade Runner books. Blade Runner is, sure. is, is pretty good. Yeah, I, again, that's what I've seen, yeah. This, I'm saying that's what the, the crew was saying. Today. Right. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, hey. um, but this this is an import from Titan, um, and it is a. Daph uh, <laughs> showing us a, uh, a Ken <laughs> Obi doll, like a, like a Barbie Ken doll. I can see he's riveted by my... I'm listening. Throwing me down. I'm talking about the slack where I am. He's toy memes instead of listening to him. Jesus. Uh, but the premise is, is 12 years ago, Lucas disappears. Now he's returned, silent, haunted, and still 11 years old. So I know Vince's ears are perking up because that's not like an alien abduction. Yeah, but it looks good, though. Yeah. So the premise is exactly that. Um, Lucas was... He went missing uh, at 11 years old. And... Twelve years later, when his family is pretty much in the town, have given up on him. He rolls back into town, and he is completely unchanged, unaged. Um, you know, the police and his family, and, and they give him a litany of tests and his memory and blood work and you know genetics and everything, and it's really him. And of course, they're baffled because they just don't understand how that's possible. For how long did he disappear? Twelve years. Wow. So he'd be twenty-three, right? So like he's you know he's got friends now that are you know adults and. Uh, and, and it begins to sort of unfold, and um, this it's set in the he, he disappears in 1984, so this book is in, takes place in 1996, and um, uh, they, they're in a town which is aptly named Kirby Junction. Uh, as you go along of trying to un, unravel the mystery of where he's been and why he hasn't aged, you start meeting other quirky families. Like there's a couple that are obsessed with their house burning down; they think it's going to burn down, so they're constantly on alert for that. Like they won't leave their house; they've got like you know they've got. Fire axes and, and fire extinguishers, and like you meet, uh, you meet a, a, a family that opens up a store, but they don't really sell anything. And like there's all these really sort of odd, like, very quirky, yeah. yeah just like and, you, and like none of them really make sense until, as they begin to put the pieces together towards the end of the book, you begin to realize why all these things are happening, uh, and it all kind of falls into place, and all of these quirks and oddities make sense in that context. I'm obviously being vague because the whole premise of the book is for you to go on that journey and then get the aha moment. Um, but the, the reason the book was the best thing I read that week, first of all, I think they stick the landing, and I think the, 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 the conceit that you get at the end of the reveal is, 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 is really well done and, and, and definitely worthy of the, of the journey. It's not easy to see coming. But the other thing is, is that this art by Norm Kanyu, it really defies explanation in terms of trying to find another comparison in the comics world. Um, it's this very graphic, blocky, sort of two-dimensional imagery uh it's 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 flat it 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 doesn't you know uh like the characters are like tiny tiny eyes really big square heads um it's it's 
it's it doesn't it doesn't look like animation. It doesn't look like video games. Like it's not pixelated. I don't know. Like it's it's it, like I said, it's, it's it's difficult to describe the art, which is why I did the post because I and I put panels in it so you could see. Um, but it works. You know, actually, I ordered the book having not seen the art because I just like to solicit, and then. When I opened the book up, I thought, ooh, like I was worried that I was going to be put off by the art because it looks, it's, you know, it's CGI, I'm pretty sure. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work for me. But then I ended up devouring the story, loving it, and then really came away appreciating the art and thought, oh man, like I really, this is not a case, I, I definitely misread this. Like the first page, my reaction to the first page is not how I ended up feeling about the art as it went along. Um, you know, I guess it kind of almost feels like maybe a, like you'd see like some of those like uh, old, uh, well not old, but like 70s or 80s European cartoons maybe. Like maybe that's kind of what it looks like. I don't know. It's difficult to really describe. Um, but uh, definitely exaggerated, like really big exaggerated uh, faces and heads and then like tiny long, like tiny skinny bodies and, uh, and, and the like. But at the end of the day, the story uh, is... I wouldn't say disturbing, but it's definitely ethereal, it's bizarre, uh, and it's uh, unique in many ways to at least this kind of comic book. Uh, and I think that uh, that you you come away, like after seeing all these quirky things, and like they, they give you a really satisfying resolution, which again, I'm, I'm not gonna give any hints to, because it's kind of pointless to read the book after that. But uh, it's called The Junction. Um, I believe it was nominated for an Eisner. I think that's why I ended up picking it up. Uh, although I don't have the Eisner nominations handy, so I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure they were. And uh, yeah, Norm Kanyu, and uh, it's definitely uh, one of those, if you like books about um, alternate realities, or if you're in any kind of like sci-fi, like Black Mirror vibe, this is definitely up that alley. You know, it's kind of that, that genre. So check it out. Titan Comics. Yes, yes you Titan. did say. Yes. It looks really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't crack it open yet, but I will do it now. Yeah, I mean, again, the oh, art it's is heavy. difficult. Heavy paper. It's difficult to describe the art. Wow. Yeah, I see what you mean. It, it's really good. Mm -hmm. I can't um, find anybody... Who I would compare this to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, they're out there, but it, it the closest thing is almost like some of those mobile phone like mystery games, you know? Yeah. Where like you like because you know, the, the, they're not sure about rendering the graphics, so it's like they keep it two dimensional. You know, it kind of looks like that. I'm getting a Paranorman vibe, but it's not oh, anything. No, like yeah, it. I was gonna say. I mean, yeah, I yeah. But, Looks uh, cool. Did he get abducted though? I can't. I can't get into that because it'll. It'll. Like, it'll okay. Yeah, I don't want to. Because once you start putting the pieces together, then the puzzle falls. You know. I don't, True. Yeah. But you have to ask yourself, like, how is it possible to be gone for twelve years without aging? So it can't just be that, like, he was kidnapped. Again, not saying it's aliens, but aliens. I'm just it's saying, aliens. Not saying it's aliens. Thank you, Giorgio. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, well. Looking at the clock on the wall, we got to get up really soon. You have any? <laughs> you have any more? Talk oh. about for your new travels. Sure. We good? I'm aware. All right. Hey, everybody! Remember, this episode has been brought to you by our beautimous patrons. Patreon.com/forward/slash 
11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe. They rise above. They give all of themselves for you, and uh, they make all of this stuff possible. We wouldn't be able to go to Heroes if it wasn't for our patrons. So all the stuff that's going to be winging your way from Heroes, you can thank them for that, as well as all of the episodes we give you each and every month. We, in turn, give them audio, video, images, polls, Slack channels, book of the month, all that stuff available exclusively on our Patreon site. So check that out. I gave you the URL. You know what it is. You've heard it a million times. Uh, In your travels, unlike last week, I have another feel-good book for you this time around. It's from Silver Sprocket. Mm. Right? It's called Puppy Night, Den of Deception. It's written by Michael Sweater. That name should ring a bell. Because he uh, is responsible for The Wizard and The Potion of Dreams. I talked about him in the Good Boy Comics Anthology a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, he co-edits that with his uh, and contributes to it with his wife, Benji Nate. And the guy just does a lot of stuff. He's like one of those perpetual motion machines. He's always making stuff. But this book is written by Michael, but it's illustrated by Josue Cruz. Mm-hmm. And published by Silver's Pocket. Uh, It is a fantasy epic about a brave knight and a good boy, Sparky Mutson, because he's a dog. And so is his trusty sidekick, Pugsley. Pugsley's the pug. And they are both seekers of adventure. And they run up a healthy tab at a pub. And they have no way to pay for it. Uh, so it's an all-ages book. Yes, the beginning is set in a pub. Their drink of choice is Puppy Tail Cola. There's no beer going on here because it's all ages. Mm-hmm. So um, after they're forced to wash dishes to pay for their bar tab, what do they do? They don't have any money. So um, they run into an elderly farmer who overhears them talking about their money troubles, and he gleefully and maybe a little bit too eagerly informs them that he knows the location of Sparkle, 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 Treasure, which gets them going. But it's right there in the title, people. Den of Deception. The farmer is deceiving our dashing duo and directing them on a descent into danger. It's alliteration. Um, You have a dank dungeon. There's multiple enchantments. Maybe magic swords, um, a nasty horde of undead ruffians, pun intended, and a necromancer. They originally wanted to make it a necromancer. You know what neko is in Japanese, right? Cat. Oh, yeah. The necromancer is a cat. But I think, I think for an all-ages book, um, a little play on a Japanese word is me fly over the heads of most of their... Readers, so they just they kept the cat a necromancer, but it's in my mind. They told me I can't unread it. It's a necromancer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's giant cat idols and just a whole mess more of stuff. It's amazing fun. It's full color, toothy paper. The front has gold leaf mm. and spot varnish. Oh um, wait for it, Dap. You open the inside front cover, and what do you get? 
A map. There's a map, Jason, and it's on two pages. But a map of a funhouse. That's stop. Um, there's a couple strips in black and white. There's pre-production and process images, insight into the creative process, and a, a whole bunch more. It's like a complete package that. If you're into the fantasy genre and you love funny animal comics, mm. two of my favorite genres just smacked right up together. Um, if you love that stuff, you gotta get this. It's twelve ninety nine. It's a magazine size, maybe sixty eight or seventy two pages. I don't know. I didn't count the pages, but it's not super thick. It is amazing. The dudes that chase them around in the dungeon—they're all undead cats. Stop! It writes itself, right? And I'm gonna put images. Are they named Nosferatu? Good one. I gotta give it up. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna put images for this on the uh, gallery attached to this episode on 11oClockComics.com because Pugsley is the star of the book. The range of emotions that Cruz infuses this little character with. There's one panel that takes up. The, the width of the, the whole page and he's just like we can go on adventure and his eyes are huge and there's little tears forming it's gorgeous it's just amazing stuff but it's a wide range of emotions you got he has um, uh, excitement revulsion desperation fear um, I guess ecstasy you could say by this one panel I don't know but it's a kid's it's an all ages book get the damn ideas out of your head it is just great. If you're looking for something to buy and you want something maybe off the beaten path that will warm, again, the cockles of your heart, give you a good time. It's not a long read, but it's a worthwhile read because the art's great. Puppy Night, Den of Deception by uh, Silver Sprocket. Just go get it. It's still in print. Get it now. Right now. I got the creaky chair. It's all right. This is the realness. The realness. The realness, yo. Take it away, Dapadoo. So, uh, did your travels after uh, finishing Slayground? I went through a few things to read following the news of Tim Sale's passing. Mm. And uh, I did not want to reread Spider Man Blue, which is one of my favorites, or. Superman for All Seasons, which is another one of my favorites. Um, but many, many, many years ago, probably close to, shit, almost almost 20 years now, I eBayed a bunch of things. Uh, won or bought a bunch of things. Runs that I missed out on originally, like a lot of priest stuff, but also a lot of the Love and Sale stuff, like Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, Hulk Gray, and The Long Halloween and Dark Victory. And I finally... And they're still in a box, but I finally cracked open the Long Halloween. Mm. And so basically, in your travels, there's a ton of Tim Sale work out there, including a Grendel story. Uh, so I would definitely recommend that. But the Long Halloween is... There are, I, I think, it. Um, there are parts of it that could have been streamlined, but overall... Um, it was an entertaining story. Uh, we're introduced to Holiday, a new serial killer on the scene in Gotham. Uh, it's, it's 
kind of takes place shortly after year one because um, the Batman is still kind of sort of newish on the job. Uh, Gordon is a captain. He's not commissioner yet. Uh, Harvey Dent is still the DA. Um, a lot of other villains do show up, but overall, it's a um, it's it's an interesting mystery. A um, couple of feints here and there along the way. It is it's it, it's a year long story. It took thirteen parts. It took place uh, starting at a wedding um, at the beginning of the series, and uh, deals with the mobsters in Gotham, the Falcones, the Maronis, and um, I'm, I'm glad I read it. Um, I can understand why it gets a lot of love. Uh, so yeah, in your travels, find something from uh, the many projects that uh, Loeb and Sale have worked on together. You, I'm glad you mentioned that because we forgot all about Tim Sale's passing. Like we we got caught up in uh, it being Heroes Week and and us doing Book of the Month. But uh, yeah, I mean another like. First of all, he's way too young. Yes. Fucking, uh, and and someone again like, it's interesting, and I'm not like I don't know how to say this about something insensitive, but like when Neil Adams passed away, maybe because he was older, like, there wasn't the sense of like, I don't feel like I heard a lot of our peers, like people were sad that he passed away, but it wasn't like this profound sense of loss for what we're not gonna get from him. Right. Because like Neil has had at his point, like, whatever Neil's catalog was going to be, at least in terms of what we most cared about, had already happened. Right. You know? Whereas, like, with George, and now with Tim, like, it's more of a, you know, like, I was, I mean, you never know, because we're all of our little bubbles, like, I was pretty surprised by uh, how many people seem to take Tim's passing really hard. And again, not, like, I'm not trying to say, like, I mean, any depth, but it just, like, I didn't realize how important the yeah. creator he was to a lot of our peers. Um, I am on the floor gobsmacked when you told me last week that you hadn't read Long Halloween. Like, that is incomprehensible to me because, you know, I've probably read a hundredth of the Batman stories that you've read. And I, I mean, Long Halloween was one that I've read. It was on my flop. It was just shocking to me. I was really, really surprised. But, uh, but yeah, man, like, pouring out for, for Tim. Um, uh, I own Dark Victory. And, uh, I haven't read it. I hope to read it this week, but I haven't done so yet. So. Maybe I'll read it on the flight tomorrow. We'll see. Um, so yeah, so so cheers to, to Tim and uh, you know I know some of our like close personal friends and I know like Jason Schachter who's his rep. You know, yeah. Really close. Like like I didn't I didn't know until actually this week actually that, that Tim was like uh, one of the main reasons that Jason became a rep because they were friends and started oh, repping okay. uh, Tim. So uh, so yeah, so bummer there. Um, with that said, in your travels. Uh, there's a, a book by Top Shelf, um, which is uh, now owned by what, IDW, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's uh, it's written by Dwayne Murray and Sean Daly. Uh, Sean is the artist as well. Uh, it's called Better Place. Uh, this book was, I'm pretty sure, recommended to me by by Scotty. Um, so uh, it's just you know, it's one of those books like he was like, dude, you gotta read this. Um, the premise is uh, a boy probably, I don't know if they say his age, but he's probably like preteen, somewhere between like maybe nine and 11 or 12. Um, he just moved to a new house, a new town with his mom. 
uh, so he doesn't have any friends. He's kind of a quirky kid, uh, obsessed with superheroes and the like, you know, which again, depending on when, when this book is set in the timing, like when they made him the most popular person in the new town. Um, and really his best friend is his grandpa, you know? They just spend a lot of time together while his mom's at work. And his grandpa's like super cool, like his grandpa's like completely unabashedly all for his, his grandson Dylan's uh, sense of adventure and uh, wonderment. So like he totally plays up the idea of Dylan like living in this fantasy realm where they're superheroes. And like they go on these grand adventures where they get into shenanigans. Like in one of the early scenes, he puts Dylan in a shopping cart and they run the shopping cart all around. And it ends up like crashing into a car and they get in trouble. But like, but like, you know, but, but to Dylan, his grandpa is like the only one that gets him and it's like, like makes it cool for him to be creative and live in this fantasy land and um, and well you probably guess from the name of the book like his grandpa early in the book goes to a better place but Dylan being young doesn't know what a better place means so like his mom says Dylan that you know grandpa's going to a better place but Dylan doesn't understand what that is and leading up to this uh, his mom had been trying to talk their grandpa into going to a home right because she thought it'd be better for him. So Dylan goes on this adventure through town trying to find a better place. Now again, as an adult reading this, you are heartbroken because you know that his grandfather's passed away and that like it's a fruitless journey in the sense that like at some point he's gonna realize what actually happened. And so it sounds like a really sad book, but it's not like, and that's probably why Scotty likes it. This is, after I read, I'm like, oh, no wonder, like this is a Scotty book. And I think he's actually friends with, with, uh, with Sean Daly, if I'm not mistaken, which is probably why he read it. but. But it, even though it's a book about death and like Dylan losing the person he loved the most, it's really actually quite uplifting because in, in kind of like in a way that like, like um, he, he, as he's trying to figure out where his grandpa went, like he has a grand adventure. And then when he comes to the realization of what actually happened, he ends up going to this home, this retirement community where, where he thinks his grandfather went because that's where his mom wanted him to go. And thinking that's a better place, and uh, and he meets another older gentleman who doesn't know him, but he's like, I'm looking for my grandpa. He's here too, and I think the the older gentleman kind of figures out what's going on, and he has an adventure with the kid, you know, and takes him on an adventure, and um, and like again, so like yes, the book is about a, a kid dealing with the death of, a, of of someone he cares about a lot, but it's it's a far more uplifting than it sounds in the sense that like it really does. Uh, punctuate the idea, you know, we've all unfortunately lost people that we care about. It punctuates the idea of you should celebrate the memories of the good times that you had with them and not like wallow in the fact that they're gone. Um, and it's just really well executed. And, and Daly's style is, um, it's, it's, I can, like, so one thing I say is I think this book was originally released in issues and uh, in between, or if not, in between each chapter break is a pinup and the pinups are by like my people, uh, Matt Kent, uh, Lemire, um, Farrell Dalrymple, Tyler Boss. So, you know, it, it, so Daly's cartooning is in that sort of, that same family, right? Uh, and they all endorse the book and, you know, kind of get pull quotes for it and stuff. So, beautiful book. Um, you know, it, it definitely something I think anyone can relate to on some level, either because you've lost someone you care about or because, you know, you remember what it was like to be a kid and sort of being a fish out of water. I mean, I think a lot of us, at least of a certain age that are comic geeks, had at least some part of our life where we kind of totally vibed with that. So, um, yeah, it's a beautiful book, um, kind of like, I would put it in the same name of like an I Kill Giants, you know, where, you know, the underlying, like, what's really happening is kind of sad, but like the whole wrapper of, and, and the message behind it is beautiful. So, uh, so two huge thumbs up to Better Place uh, by Dwayne Murray and Sean Daly. Uh, so. Sounds like a total Scotty book. 
Yeah, it's a hundred. I mean, as you, like if you know Scotty, it's like this is the kind of thing he would read and enjoy, right? Or even want to write. So, um, yeah. He, he needs the. Um, I need the the names. The names. Oh. Uh, All right, that was great, and it looks really good. Spot varnish. Yeah. For the win. No, I'll flip through when you're done. Remember, people, this weekend is Heroes Con. If you are attending, seek us out. We're pretty obtrusive, right? Jason will be the guy running around with the portfolio with the, the chain to his wrist. Um, Dap and I will be thumbing through the back issue bins. If we see hardcovers, three for 20, if we, as soon as we walk in, if he goes, oh, come on, what are you going to do? Have a good time. Oh, yeah, we'll go all separate ways on, on early Thursday. I mean, early Friday. I mean, we'll, we'll reconvene. But good food, good friends, everything's waiting for you in Charlotte. Come on down. Let's go have some fun. We love you so much. In the meantime, just say it. What do we always say? Say goodnight. Love you. Man, I gotta get this, these names. I'm not a meticulous typer at all. Yeah, you're more of a hand pecker. Yep, David. It's gonna get it wrong. Take note. I'm watching him like a hawk. His chronograph is on his wrist. You didn't yeah, see him. He's very fast. He went like this. Yeah, but he's got that fancy Apple Watch that's gonna do the haptic feedback. No, he went like this. Yep. He touched it. Yeah, he synced it up. Right. He's got like a geosynchronous satellite. Right ah. Brother, brother, I. David. All yeah. uh, right. Feel that vibration. The back of his neck. He's got the plug. Right? Johnny Mnemonic. All right. We're out of here, people. We love you so much. Heroes Con, be there. Be square. Tell them you love them. We love you. Love you more if you're here. That's it for that one.